Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. 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 This is Scorpio Sky, and you are listening to the Keeping It Strong Style Podcast, and it is the best. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get-go, boy Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your host, Jeremy Donovan And the young boy, Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Happy New Year And welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here Joined by the young boy, Josh Smith on today's show, we will be previewing and giving our predictions for Wrestle Kingdom 13, as well as covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns at socialsuplex.com. Go to socialsuplex.com slash subscribe to sign up to get all the podcasts and columns delivered directly into your email inbox. And make sure to check out our friends at powerslam.tv, over 4,000 hours of independent pro wrestling from hundreds of promotions across the globe. If you use the code socialsuplex, you'll get your first month free. And after that, it's only $4.99. So check them out at powerslam.tv. Young boy. Russell Kingdom is right around the corner. First off, let me say Happy New Year, everybody. We will be dropping this before the New Year, but you will not be hearing from us until after Russell Kingdom has yeah, occurred. We're going to give you a little uh, treat here. We're going to drop this episode give early. You, give you a little taste. Yeah, we want, <laughs> we want to make sure you guys heard this preview in time. Um, before Wrestle Kingdom, um, and you have you know the full week to listen to this in time for the show. Um, absolutely, I just want to say, man, your intro just now, top ten, top ten for <laughs> all intros you've ever done. Ten, ten, yeah, ten, one, ten. <laughs> are are you are you like not so glad that when you go to indie shows, nobody does that crap anymore? Yeah. Although I'm not gonna lie, I was definitely doing that like three, ten. <laughs> And, like, James Boyd would be looking over at me like, this fool. Yeah. I've also started many a USA chance. USA chance, yeah. For no reason. <laughs> for no reason, but just oh, to, man. you know, imbar- like invoke uh, images of racism and <laughs> <laughs> a 
I love it. No, I love the USA yeah, it's, it's very easy to get a, a ride on a James at a, a wrestling show. Oh, absolutely. Either, either like USA Chance doing the 10 uh, count chance. If uh, somebody does a uh, double move spot, we now call that the James Boyd spot. Yeah, we were, watching, uh, we were watching Kawada and uh, Tenryu. No, was that Tenryu? Yeah, it was yeah. Tenryu the other day from the Tokyo Dome. And uh, they did the double. What did they do? Was it a clothesline? Or was I, it a double punch? Uh, I think it was a clothesline. First off, it was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. And then second of all, I was like, oh, the James Boyd spot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so anytime there's a double move, we call it the James Boyd spot. I was watching um, A.R. Fox versus Myron Reed earlier today. They both did a double cutter to each other. This man, just so you guys know, this man, Jeremy, has... (laughs) Uh, gotten himself a what is it? The it's, WWN Club. Yeah, WWN Club subscription. How much is that? Uh, Nine ninety nine. How many wrestling subscriptions you got right now? Uh, I got WWE Network. I got. I didn't, I didn't ask you to list them. I asked you well, how many. I'm listing them out. <laughs> WWE Network, New I'm Japan just, World. I'm just being a jerk. <laughs> WWN Club, Honor Club. That's it. Four. No Power Slam TV. Of course. Oh, I got my Power Slam TV. Yeah, Power Slam. So five. Yeah. Five. Oh my god. Um, yeah, maybe you should get a, a world of stardom. Uh, maybe we'll see. <laughs> but anyway, so this man's got the WWN Club now. And what? What? When did you? What did you start watching? Just the first so, January show? Yeah. So I started watching the first evolve of this sheet of yeah, twenty eighteen. Well, first I caught up on the ones that happened with like Roddy Strong and the most recent ones. The recent ones. The WWE. Yeah. Ones. Uh, yeah. WWE Evolve. <laughs> WWN. WWNXT, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I started to go went back from the beginning of the year to, and then work my way back forward. Yeah. So you've got yourself a little viewing project. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know what I'm going to do. I'm gonna Th- this is all going to, you know, like as soon as like New Beginning starts, like Road to New Beginning, you're not going to be able to do this. Oh, anymore. yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like this is him filling the hole that like uh, New Japan has left behind right now. Yeah. Um, did you watch those line break matches yet? Um, the only one I saw was the Young Lion match. They're uh, all Young Lion matches, right? Except for the main events. No, because on the second one, the first the first card, the first match was Young Lion. The second match was Rocky against um, Liger, I think. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, so, but there was no commentary, and it was kind of throwing me off. I kept like finding myself like zoning out. You're not a true wrestling fan. <laughs> you don't have fighting spirit in your heart, I, dude. The no commentary like always kills me. Especially since it was like old show too, I was like, eh. "Isn't it funny how earlier in the year when we were first introduced to some of these concepts, we were fine, but now we've become spoiled and we're like, ah, there's no Kevin Kelly, there's no, right. there's no Don Callis on the show. I'm definitely not watching it. <laughs> um, like, give me some Japanese commentary. Give me something like. But yeah, I, I'm I'm excited. We're we're here sitting in what is, what day is it? Saturday? Yeah, it's Saturday. You know, I was gonna say Sunday. It almost feels it's like a uh, Sunday. It's Saturday, me. December 29th. So New Year's is in a few days. Yeah, we're a few days away from New Year's. I'm not even thinking about New it. Year's. It's because I have so many holes in my life that are not filled, so I don't make plans. Uh, I'm a workaholic. Um, <laughs> yeah, I totally forgot about New Year's. We're in that like weird week between Christmas and New Year's, and you don't really know Dude, what I've to do. I've lost track of what day it is, what time it is. Like, Yeah, you're trying to like recoup from like the Christmas holiday, and then you got this other lesser but still important holiday and there's all this pressure to like do something and i'm like oh no maybe i'm gonna do a foh draft again i don't know oh my gosh (laughs) oh my god hey uh just on the subject because we were talking about before if anybody's listening and i 
uh, offended you with my vulgarity or my lack of cohesiveness or my slander, I do apologize. Uh, FOH Josh is not the Josh that sits before you. In fact, I'm glad that we have a new year. I'm starting to like, I'm sitting here feeling very thankful because I'm like, I need to get my life in order. And that's all going to start with Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. Bro, next year I'm going to be at Wrestle Kingdom. You mean 2020? I'm already in 2019. I'm I'm in the future. Gotcha. So in 2020, yes, I'm going to be at Wrestle Kingdom. I've already made up my mind. I've said it several times, but I'm dead serious. Dude, I'm right there with you, man. You want to go? Yeah. Do I want to go? Of course I want to go. We got to ask Zach. Yeah. We got to ask Jamie. We got to hit up uh, Chris over in uh, good old Aussie land. Yeah. See if he wants to come. Yep. Um, hit up some of our other boys. I don't know. We'll see. We'll run it, man. We'll run it. But I'm I'm excited. This is weird. It's kind of throwing me off because I'm so used to like getting off on a Monday, coming home, rushing to like get a workout in or buy some groceries or take a nap or whatever the crap it is I do before we record. Then uh, not be ready for the recording. You have everything prepared. And then I'm running around like splashing water on my face <laughs> and like psyching myself up and saying Pre, pre-match workout. Out, out now, brown cow. <laughs> and like getting my voice ready. And then I come on here and just say fuckery or whatever. And I'm ready, though, to to do this. We have Here's the thing, guys. We're sitting here sans notes. I have no prepared like this is me off the cuff. Like this is off rip. We're gonna rip it to bits. We've been preparing all year. I do feel like we've been preparing all year. That's why I feel so confident for us to just sit here with like I don't have my my iPad. I don't have notes. We just got a mic, two guys, and your iPad because I feel like we got this unlocked. Yeah. Um. I haven't even thought about what I'm gonna say before we start this. I literally I haven't even thought about predicting winners up to now. Um. Partly because I am a little bit uh, overwhelmed. By trying to do it accurately. Yeah. But now that we're out here on the air, like we have to do it. So I'm ready. Like yeah. we're gonna we're gonna work it out logically. We're gonna go through the stories, we're gonna go through the, the uh, situations, you know, and the booking logic and um, put on our gato caps and see what what the future holds for New Japan and give you guys an excellent the actually not just an excellent the ace of previews when it comes to Wrestle Kingdom 13. Yes, the the best New Japan Wrestle Kingdom preview. I I do feel really proud of the product that we put out there. I'm not even gonna lie. Like I do. I think that there's a lot of people that do great jobs, but um, and I, I, it's not coming coming from a prideful place. But like I feel always genuinely proud. Aside from the FOH draft, I feel <laughs> genuinely proud of the podcast content that we put out. Yeah, man, we're we're on fire right now. So, we're, we're such marks for ourselves. Dude, I'm the biggest mark for myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. All so, right, let's, let's, let's get this going. So, we things are going to kick off with the pre-show, the number one contender gauntlet match for the never openweight six-man tag team championships. And we have the team of Taguchi, Toriyanu, Togi Makabe. The team of David Finley, Jeff Cobb, and Yuji Nagata replacing Michael Elgin. We have the team of the best friends, Chucky T. Beretta and Hiroki Goto. We have a KES team of, or a Suzuki-gun team of KES and Minoru Suzuki. And then the final team is a Bullet Club Elite team of the villain Marty Skrull, Tokyo Pimp, Yujiro Takahashi, and Hangman Adam Page. What a lineup. So let me ask you, since we're on the subject... We're not getting a Rambo this year. Right. With us not getting a Rambo, we are getting um, five six-man teams here. 
but we are not getting a wacky any sort of wackiness. So there's not going to be a cheeseburger coming out. Like these are the five teams to right. the best, at least to our understanding. Right. I mean, who knows? Day of, that could be like there's a special six team. Although the gauntlets, I don't think the gauntlets in the past. I could correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think they usually have this many teams. Five. It's usually like three or four. Yeah, I, th- I feel like. Four. Yeah, so this, yeah. and it's already a long match, so this feels like it's going to be long with these five teams yeah. on the pre-show, so I'm not expecting them to throw anybody else out there. Um, so part of me is kind of disappointed. Like, I loved the new the the Rumble. I love the Rumble. Like, you know, seeing, like, Kitamura come out there and all these surprises, Scott Norton, Cheeseburger. Muda. Great Kabuki, all these... I don't, did Muda ever, I don't think Muda ever came out okay. for one, but like Kabuki definitely yeah, did. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, Kabuki, um, yeah, yeah. Fujinami came out one year, which was great. And I, like I've been on this like quest to see Cheeseburger win it because he's always in the finals. Yeah, he always comes down to the very end. And it looks like New Japan has failed us with their long term storytelling. Like we're maybe next year, yeah. maybe next year. But um, do we have any idea the order that this match is going to take place? I don't know. Um, we really don't, we have no clue who's yeah. who's going to be be like starting basically and right ending. okay so maybe we should just go team by team and, and talk about you know the backstories if there is any um, let's start with uh, we'll start with Taguchi Japan so we've got uh, Raisuki Taguchi Toriyano and Togi Makabe who essentially are three guys from three different stables I mean obviously Togi Makabe and GBH is only two guys and he does. In the past, he has regularly teamed with the Sekigun guys of Taguchi Japan. But seeing Toriyano thrown in there and, you know, the, the the most violent players, that kind of reunion between him and Togi Makabe is a very interesting mashup. You've got two comedy guys and then Togi Makabe, who's the Unchained Gorilla. Um, what do you think of this? So it's very interesting. I did, I did see a funny team name for these guys on Reddit called. They were called the uh, most violent perverts. Oh, <laughs> with the Gucci on there. That, uh, that's apt. Um, but you know, like you mentioned, yeah, it's a, kind of a mixed match team because these guys are kind of representing three different things and kind of all being put together here. We saw recently uh, Makabe kind of helping out Chaos in the middle of this um, Bullet Club Chaos War. And you know, they're doing those. Um, what's it called? The recount. Those yeah, re- those the history of history chaos. chaos. They're yeah. very good. Um, um, and also shout out to uh, at NJPW Phoenix, Amy. Yeah, because she's got she. I mentioned it before. She's got an awesome write up on her Twitter, talking about the history that the most violent players. It's required reading. If you haven't read it, definitely check it out. Um, so we've got that team, and then on the next team we got Dave Finley, Jeff Cobb, and Yuji Nagata. And this feels kind of like a mashup of. Guys that are truly, I would call Sekigun. Like Jeff Cobb, really hasn't even found his place in New Japan yet. All we've seen him is teaming with like Elgin, essentially. Right. And uh, Elgin was supposed to be in this match, has a knee injury, so Nagata is replacing him, which makes this team even more of a kind of a mixed match. Because at least with Elgin and Cobb, they've been teaming together. Well, you know, Yuji Nagata has a very long-standing um, Tokyo Dome January 4th uh, streak and this is actually he was going to be off the, the card and now it's going to keep his streak alive yeah uh, no Liger yeah dude the first time since 89 um, you know that he hasn't wrestled in the Tokyo Dome so that's uh, that's kind of sad uh, yeah this is just a very strange team I'm uh, I'll, we'll save our predictions. I mean, do you have much to kind of analyze here or say about the, these guys? Not really. I mean, it's just kind of, to me, it's just kind of like 
it's almost like just a random pairing almost of these three guys and yeah, yeah it's not really much backstory to talk about those guys there so then um We'll, we'll talk about the Suzuki Goon team. So we've got KES and Minoru Suzuki, who did have some uh, some heat going into the World Tag League after they wrestled one another. They kind of squashed it, and um, this is a dominant team. Yeah, dude, this is probably one of the best like three man teams you could make out of Suzuki Goon members. Well, you've got you've got Minoru Suzuki, who's one of the most notable exclusions from the main roster card. So you've got to uh, assume that his chances of Possibly winning this and headlining the um, New Year's Dash card the next night are fairly high because, I mean, mm-hmm. he does tend to come on in the first part of the year after Wrestle Kingdom. It tends to be like a hot streak for him because they depend on him during that time period. And also KES coming off a, a successful World Tag League, but they haven't been in the title picture for a while. Um, you got to imagine that they've got their eyes <clears throat> on these six-man uh, titles as well. Yeah. Um like, like you mentioned, man, these guys are so probably the three most dominant guys in the whole faction, you know, minus like Zack Saber. Um, I can definitely see these guys, you know, running the gauntlet, so to so to speak, you sure, know, yeah, and just destroying guys here. Um, then, and I'll before we move on, I'll say I could see them coming in, in the middle and then being like, maybe maybe one of the other teams goes through two two different guys and they're doing really well and then KES shows up and, no, like, just, and, and you know and they just get them out of there real quick cuz you know that that's probably what's going to happen like um but let's talk about the chaos team yeah so we got best friends Chucky T Beretta teaming up with Hiroki Goto here allegedly best friends <laughs> um so Chuck T's been doing this whole um they did this whole thing the World Tag League tour where he kind of snaps in the middle of the match and um, gets DQ'd and starts hitting his opponents and even sometimes his teammates with chairs and weapons. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see here, is Chuck E.T. going to be able to hold together in this match, or is he going to snap again and cost the Chaos team here the match? Generally, I would usually <clears throat> say that with the storytelling, you you would save something like that for a bigger show. Um, and since this is on the undercard, maybe you don't do that. However, they did a lot of the storytelling during the World Tag League, which you know, weren't necessarily big shows, you know. Right. Um, so I could see them uh, totally continuing that storyline here in this six-man tag match. And I, f- I have a feeling it's going to culminate. My prediction is going to culminate at New Year's Dash in some form or fashion. That's typically the time when we get a lot of shifts and changes to start out the year. So I feel like this match is going to be like the final draw or seed mm-hmm. to lead to whatever it is that's going to happen, whether it's Chucky e. T and Beretta squashing it whether it's one of them turning on the other or what have you. Um, so we'll see with that. But the interesting thing is Goto. Yeah, another big star left off of the main Wrestle Kingdom card. I would say him and Suzuki are the two most notable exceptions. Not, I mean, just last year they were featured in one of the top four matches or top five. What, yeah, the, that never title match. I believe it was like... The hair versus hair match. Was it a third from the top? I don't want to speculate about the placement of matches because last week I said... Or a week or two ago, I had said that Jericho and uh, Naito was not a co-main event when, in fact, it actually is the co-main event. So I felt stupid. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, Suzuki and, and Goto had a very prominent match just last year. And Goto, specifically, going back, I don't know, a decade, has had nothing but prominent matches for the most right. part. This is his first time being, A, left off the main card, and B, not in a prominent match. So you gotta imagine him and him and Suzuki are kind of favorites in this, 
But I don't know if him being saddled with the best friends, how that may or may not affect his chances. Right. And also from a performance-wise, I don't even know if he's going to be motivated to go all out because he's on the pre-show and he's in the six-man tag here. Well, a lot of guys in New Japan show a lot of professionalism. And even if he doesn't put on, like, a classic performance, I'm going to assume that, A, he probably will have a chip on his shoulder, hopefully, yeah, uh, for being left off the card. But, B, uh, they're in the Tokyo Dome, so that might motivate him. And True. then, C, um, I got to anticipate that him being left off the card was more, like, an, a necessity, like, an evil, necess- a necessary evil, right. as opposed to what they want for him. Right. Because they usually protect him. So. I think that this match could hypothetically propel him to some sort of storyline going into the New Year's Dash as well. So I don't think it's all bad. And then our final team, we've got uh, the Bullet Club, the Elite, the, the Bullet Club Elite. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what you want to call this team. But we got yeah. uh, the villain Marty Skrull, uh, the Tokyo Pimp, Yujiro Takahashi, and Hangman Adam Page. Yeah, so this could be um, the last New Japan appearance of Marty Skrull and Hangman Page. Um, no way to know for sure. Um, you know that, that ticker is is buzzing. Yeah, we're, we're recording this before the big announcement that's supposed to happen on January first. So maybe we'll get some more information on what these elite guys are going to be doing. Maybe but... maybe AEW will want to sponsor Social Suplex and partner with us. <laughs> maybe <clears throat> we'll see. Um, but yeah, so definitely, you know, makes sense having these um, Bullet Club Elite team on the card here. Um, with their future kind of being in jeopardy, I really don't see them um, winning this thing or go going. Maybe they might go far just because of Skrull and Hangman are, are you know have been featured heavily in the past couple of years. Um, but I don't see them winning just because their their future is uncertain right now. That and also it's kind of like I don't want to say it's the riffraff. But I feel like anytime you get teamed with Yujiro, by association, it's kind of a riffraff mashup. Even right. if you're a star like Marty, or even if you're a breakout guy like Hangman, you're you're on the bottom of the six man here, and uh, yeah. So I want to do this, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but let's let's do this real quick. Uh, book your fantasy scenario, and I can go first if you would like me to. I'm uh, doing it off the cuff. I can go first. Okay, go ahead. So, uh, honestly, I think it, it, to me, I would have it come down between um, Suzuki-Goon and Taguchi, Yano, and Makabe. Mm, interesting. And I think I would run the, uh, you know, rekindle the Yano-Suzuki feud and have Yano pin Suzuki once again and have the surprise team of the most violent perverts win the, win the contendership. That's, who, that's your, that's your <clears throat> prediction? Yeah, that's my prediction. Um, I'll, I'll say this. I don't think that the Sekigun team of Dave Finley, Yuji, uh, Yuji Nagata, and Jeff Cobb have a chance. Yeah, they have no, to me, they have no chance. I don't think the Bullet Club elite team has a chance. Yeah. So it's going to come down to the MVPs, Suzuki Goon, and Chaos. Um, I think Chaos is going to get DQ'd. I think Beretta is going to snap and get... Beretta? I mean, uh, excuse me, Chucky e. T is going to snap and get them out of there. Mm, that I mean, that's definitely a possibility. <clears throat> I almost wonder if they would be willing to hold off and do the final breakup, like tease that things are good, right? And then do the breakup the next night mm-hmm. um, to kind of throw you off the scent a little bit. Um, but yeah, you know, I was gonna say that it was gonna be Suzuki and Goto in the finals; those two teams. Mm. 
But when you when you mentioned the uh, vulner, like I've always, I keep putting my faith in the best friends, and they don't get pushed the way that I think they should, or that that I might anticipate them. Like if they're in Ring of Honor sort of thing, mm-hmm. they keep letting me down every time I put faith in them in New Japan, and they're upper mid. They're not at the top of the tag division when it comes to New Japan, and it looks like they're going to split them up. Um, so there might be something to what you're saying. I, maybe I shouldn't put my stock in them, especially considering last year Beretta. And the chaos team took the. That was my prediction, and they ended up actually winning. So I mm-hmm. felt very vindicated because that was a tough call. And then you bring up a very uh, interesting point when you mentioned this MVP team. The only thing is, I could also see I could see them winning, but I could also see them taking the loss and it being no big deal whatsoever. True. Uh, I guess what I'm going to base my prediction off of is who is a likely who who's likely to face. The uh, the Bullet Club, the Bullet Club OGs, the team of Tamatanga, Tangaloa, and uh, Ishimori the next night in Cork and Hall, and that is the face team. And so you might think that that would be the guys you should go with. Right. I'm really torn here. Really, really, really torn. I think that I'm gonna go with Chaos. Okay. I was I was initially not considering who that you're... that could make sense, especially you know there's been the tease of Chucky e. T being the the mole. the mole. So if they go with your kind of thing of holding off the the, the snapping, like so they they are fine this whole gauntlet, they win the gauntlet, then the next night at New Year's Dash it's Chaos versus Bullet Club for the titles. Then Chucky e. T snaps and reveals that he's been the mole and joins Bullet Club. I was actually going to initially say Suzuki Goon just because they're so dominant and right. And that was, it, yeah, that was my initial pick too. And Suzuki needs something to do, and also, and if they win, I won't be surprised. But then when you start throwing in that that MVP curveball, I was like, ooh, you know, most violent yeah. perverts could definitely do this, and that would make sense to have them headline because I mean they got Makabe and Yano, they're, they're all popular guys, right? And, and I feel like it's such an oddball kind of team that people are kind of like, you know, not thinking they have a chance. And I feel like, but, you know, but Taguchi can can roll up a, a person. Yano can roll up a person. Can't count out Makabe. Right. So I think those are the three teams to look at. But I'm gonna, I I the scenario that you painted with the best friends that wasn't even really what I was thinking so much. I was just like, Goto needs something to do. Hold off the best friends uh, split, and then maybe you do it in the main event of Corkin. That's an easier story to tell. Mm-hmm. But I think you have also interesting story options if you take the Taguchi Japan team and put them in the main event. So I would say, the, believe it or not, I kind of think those are the two most likely winners, especially considering that you've got a, a heel team the second night. Right. And, it, I mean, is it going to be compelling to see Suzuki-Goon take on the OG Bull Club in the main event at Cork and Hall, two heel teams, and you know there's going to be a bunch of the Suzuki-Goon type of stuff? Uh, from a story standpoint and for the type of event it is, I'd say No. So I am going to go with Chaos. There are parts of me that say no because um, it's Goto and it's the best friends. Right. But I think there's a story to be told there. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to say Chucky e. T, Beretta, and Hiroki Goto. And that you got that Chaos versus OG Bullet Club element going there. Yep, and it continues that faction feud that's been going on the last few months. But you could still get that with Toriano and, and Togi Makabe if yeah. you go that way. So, I mean, uh, that's my prediction. All right. So now on to the main card. 
the first match of the main card, 60-minute time limit, the never openweight championship match. We have the champion, the golden star, Kota Ibushi, taking on the aerial assassin, Will Ospreay. Hold on to your seats, hold on to your hats, ladies and gentlemen, because this is a match that is likely to blow you away. Yeah, you know, when I found out this match was opening the show um, a few weeks ago, I, you know, put in our, our group thread, I'm like, is this going to be the first, like, show to open up with a five-star match? Like, this is going to be intense. Like, I mean, I mean, to put it into other, um, <clears throat> other terms, I mean... When you think about some of some great WrestleManias that opened up with with bangers, you have WrestleMania 10 with Bret and Owen, or you think about the WrestleMania 30 in uh, in New Orleans when you had Daniel Bryan and Triple H, and those were like two really prominent like show openers. Mm-hmm. This is like right in those lines, but I have every belief that this could be a far superior match to those matches. Oh yeah, um, we've never seen Kota Ibushi and Will Ospreay one on one. Um, to, to my knowledge, and I, I'm pre- I feel pretty confident about that. I mean, they've been teasing it since like 2015, back in Evolve. We thought at many different times we were going to get it. Kota Ibushi's career tra- trajectory has taken him different places. And Will Ospreay has finally started to put on the size to catch up. And now we've got two of the most dynamic workers in the entire world uh, wrestling in a match that it's not a junior match. It's not a best of the super juniors type of match. This has a totally different feel and implication mm-hmm. for the type of match that you might have seen them have just, say, two years ago, you know? Right. I definitely think we're going to get a more... I mean, there's definitely there's definitely going to be your high-flying. Yeah. But I think it's going to be a more strong style-based um, match um, than they probably would... That you probably would normally typically think about. I agree. Um, I'm... I read some of the things that Kota Ibushi had said about Will Ospreay, and he talked about how Will Ospreay is one of the top t- one or two flyers in the whole world, and Kota Ibushi is like, I used to be that way. That's who mm-hmm. I was, you know, 10 years ago. He's like, but I've, I've added different facets to my game, and he's like, and since the Ospreay and Ricochet match a few years ago, he has added different facets to his game, and he's a totally different competitor. And he's like, you know, the wrestling world has changed just in the past few years, and he, he's wondering what this dream match is going to be like. And then I saw Will Ospreay actually put up a post where he said that he's going to face his idol. Yeah, so I was just pulling up right now. Yeah, he said, yeah, January 4th, he's going to be, he says, my idol is my rival. So obviously this match uh, means a lot to both of these guys. And I think they're going to go out there within the time they're given and and just go balls to the wall and uh, just give the best match they possibly can. I I think that this match is going to have anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes, my my guess. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that we will see a strong style-esque match, but with a lot of aerial, you know, precision. Mm-hmm. Um, my one, The one thing is I do wonder if I, – I think a lot of people have wondered, will this burn out the crowd or blow up the show? Because, I mean, you've got to imagine it's going to be tough for anyone who has to follow these guys. Mm-hmm. you got to wonder, are they going to hold – back to some degree? And will this be the first in a series of matches? I'm not saying immediate rematch. But over right. the course of their career, now that they've done it, there's every indication that maybe at a G1 or maybe... Right. In New Japan, they, they normally do space do trilogies, but they are spaced out within the year. So like you said, like this could happen in the G1, then maybe... New Japan Cup. Power, New Japan Cup, maybe a power struggle later on in the year. Yeah. Um, 
Absolutely. You know, there's probably going to be more U.S. shows. Maybe they do it there. You never know. But then there's also the pressure on them. You have to imagine. On, <clears throat> on, the, on the one hand, it's like you're an opener. So there's pressure for you to have an opener style match. Right. To not blow up the crowd. To not burn things out. But to set the pace and tone for the whole evening. And then on the flip side, it's a, it's literally a dream match. And there's the anticipation that's like, you guys could ha- go out there and have a five-star classic. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they have this very fine balance that they have to walk between having something that blows everything else on the whole card out of the water, <laughs> which they could definitely do. Right. But to also set the tone. I think them being in the – I'm going to say like for me, I, I'm going to imagine that this match actually ends up being somewhere between four and a half to four and three quarters, very fast paced. And it's a style of match where they are feeling each other out. They end up going balls to the wall at the end. Um, and then eventually, once it's over, it does get you excited for the rest of it, and it doesn't make you feel exhausted like you just watched a war. Right. I think it's going to be a sprint more so than a prolonged like uh, epic. Right. I don't see it as being an epic. I think they got one in them, and I think we'll see that later in the year. Watch out for the G1. That's gonna be my. That's my pick. I think these guys will be in the same block in the G1. We'll see an epic at that point. But um, this is going to be a sprint, in my opinion, and it's going to be maybe one of the greatest opening matches of all time. I'm, I'm almost picturing like a pace similar to um, the main event of All In. Yes, yes, that's a that's a that's a good yeah. But that was like 12 minutes. Right. Ooh, that could definitely be the case. I when I was saying uh, sprint, I was thinking along the lines of like Okada Omega three in the okay, G one. Yeah. Remember how fast that match yeah, was? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I was thinking because I I don't see this as being a junior style match. I see it as being like a wham bam bam. I, I mean they're gonna do aerial stuff, but I think right. it's gonna be fast. Um, so I mean the real question now, and it's the toughest question because I think we know what we expect in terms of quality. Um, who's winning this? Man, and, I, and I've gone back and forth. On I haven't even it. thought about it. I, I have, because um, Wilford Watches here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network um, is doing a uh, Russell Kingdom 13 prediction contest. If you go over to his Twitter, at Wilford Watches. Uh, what can, up, Wilfred? Um, you can fill out a form, or, um, a Google form and uh, pick your... Um, you make your picks or whatever. Honestly, I don't even remember what I did put in there. Oh, wow. Uh, but for, for this recording... Um, I'm going to go with Will Ospreay winning mainly because he was supposed to come into this match as the champion. Um, so I feel like there are definitely plans on pushing Ospreay in this open weight division. Um, so I see Ospreay getting the win here. And, you know, Bushi with his contract situations, they tend not to put belts on him for that reason. Um, so I see them kind of hot potatoing, putting it on Osprey and pushing him into in the future in the heavyweight division. You make some great points, Jeremy. Um, but I will say this. They have put the belt, this Never title specifically on guys like Shibata and other like Masato Tanaka, guys that were non-contracted because it's not really that important of a title. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, without the fear of them like jumping ship. And also, Kota Bushi is an honorable person you know he's japanese and i mean that might sound like kind of like me being like weird but in their culture 
if you have a title, you're not going to pull a Medusa or an Alunder Blaze and jump to All Japan or something with the belt. Yeah, you know what I mean? Throw the belt in the trash. <laughs> I don't see that being like the fear. I do think that them putting the belt on Kotobushi is a far cry from them putting, like, say, an IC title or, or you know, an IWGP heavyweight reign on him. It's, I think it's a totally different deal. I did think that Will Ospreay was going to. We, I think we all thought he was going to win the belt, come into the Tokyo Dome, and face Kota Ibushi. I've o- I always thought that at that point, Kota Ibushi was going to lift the belt off of him. And they would basically say he had, you know, his, his he won the title, but now he has a chase because he's this undersized guy coming into the Never Division, and now he has a goal. At this point, he's already won the belt. So now, if he wins it, He's going to become a defending champion in this weight class. Um, I see him losing. I see him losing for this reason. I think if you put the title on him and he wins, now he's, quote, unquote, an open weight champion. He's not a heavyweight. Right. He's a junior who has who's wrestling heavyweights, and it's like it's kind of ambiguous. If he loses this match, though... And he has a and he looks like a star. I think Kotobushi's gonna make him look like a star. And afterwards, he says, "I am a heavyweight." There's no ambiguity about what he is. He's not the open weight champion. Right. He is a heavyweight. I also think that Kotobushi has bigger things in uh, in store for him for the next year. And I don't see him putting over Will Osprey. I think that Will's the guy that needs to take the loss, and I think Kota's the guy that needs to get the Tokyo Dome win to set him up for... And I see him dropping the belt. I don't see him having a really prolonged reign. I could see him losing the belt, you know, within a matter of, you know, New Beginning or, um, you know, Sakura Genesis, what have you. But I do see him at least getting a Tokyo Dome, a big Tokyo Dome win, and then having a huge 2019. I also see Will Ospreay chasing this belt in the uh, foreseeable future. I don't think this is where Will Ospreay, uh, you know, gets his title win. Gotcha. You made some great points, and honestly, I, I could see it going either way. I, I could too. I'm not. So. I'm not. I'm not very confident. This is uh, the epitome of fifty-fifty. Yeah. Um, and that's what's great. That's what you love about wrestling, and that's what we loved last year when we talked about the Tokyo Dome. And this is awesome booking, and I'm very excited for this match. Yeah, man, it should be amazing. Um, I also so- love that we. Got different thoughts on this stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's good. It's different because usually we're like, yep, that's who I got. Yep, that's who I got. <laughs> uh, so next we got this, uh, the second match on the card is the IWGP Junior Tag Team Championship match. A triple threat with the champions, Kanemaru and El Desperado, defending against the Super Junior Tag League winners, Rapungi 3K, Sho and Yo, and the other challengers, the LIJ team of Bushi and Shingo Takagi. Sometimes when we watch these shows, if I don't verbalize my thoughts, I go in there with less expectation and then I don't get disappointed. When we do a preview like this and I verbalize my thoughts and then I I, I feel like it's like, you know, the secret. I'm putting it out there in the universe. <laughs> yeah, right back. <laughs> yeah. But I do feel like the the things I'm saying in my mind, they make sense and they're logical. And so I assume that that's what New Once I say it, I'm like, oh, that's exactly what New Japan's going to do. And then every year when I'm wrong about a match, I'm like, I get mad because I feel like my <laughs> booking scenario should have played out. Right. So I'm going to say this. My booking scenario, I got to tell you, I think Sho and Yo have to win this one. Well, I'm right there with you. I'm... I, I think Sho and Yo is gonna. That's my pick to win. Sho and Yo, I feel like um, they've they've been on a chase this whole year, trying to get these. Yep. Well, since once they lost them to um, Conor Morrow and Desperado, yep. they've been on a chase the whole year, and that's been the whole story here. 
has been Rapungi 3K chasing these guys. Every time they get this close to beating them, and then um, Suzuki Gun cheats and wins. And then um, LIJ has been peppered into this feud. You know, earlier in the year, it was Hiromu and Bushi. And now uh, Shingo taking Hiromu's spot is in there. So, you know, obviously they're, they're growing the, the rivalry between Sho and Shingo. But honestly, I think the main story here is still Suzuki Goon and Rapungi 3K. And I think Rapungi 3K will finally get that the big moment they've been waiting for, get that big title win, and once again be the top team in the junior tag division. At this point in time, these are essentially the only three tag teams we have in the junior tag division, unless you want to count like Liger and Tiger Mask, which I kind of don't. Right. Even though we had a whole junior tag uh, league, most of those were outside contracted workers or mishmashed teams. And a lot of those guys we're not going to see come back in the near future because of all the uh, talent poaching that's taking place <laughs> yeah. in, in the world of wrestling. So with that being said, Sho and Yo, if they lose here... These are two guys that were essentially set up as the aces of this division. And now, a year later, when they have a chance to, to have a crowning achievement, they lose again. They're just going to be forever chasing. And at that point, it's like, well, what, what do you do with them? Do you either split them up and have them do singles? Do you just kind of put them on the back burner and make them part of these multi-man matches? Do you have them and Rocky be a, a six-man and go for the nevers? I mean, those are all things you could do. But I don't <clears> feel like any of those decisions benefit two guys of the, the level of star quality that they are, I feel like after chasing for a whole year, they need to take the belts off of Kanemaru uh, and Desperado. Kanemaru and Desperado have had a fantastic title reign, better than probably anyone expected. You know, numerous title defenses, a, a lengthy reign. But this is not Okada in, you know, last year. Yeah. It's not like a, a legendary, you know, historic title reign. It doesn't really benefit them any longer to continue to hold on to those belts. The guys that need... The rub is showing yo. Um, I'm sure there's listeners who are like, well, what's going on with LIJ? You're discounting LIJ. I think Shingo, he's got singles in his future. Dude, he, uh, he's, a, he's a single star. He's a single star. I, honestly, I think, you know, teaming him with Bushi for right now, it's almost just a, a way to put him. It's a get by. It's, it's a way to put him on the back burner to still feature him, but not go all the way like they planned. I feel I agree. in 2019, it's going to be a big year for Shingo. If Shingo wasn't here, Bushi would be either off this card entirely or he would be working that six-man gimmick. He's lucky that Shingo is here. Yeah. I don't think if Hiromu was around, they would be tagging. Hiromu no. would probably be featured in the junior title. Yeah. Um, so for that reason, I got to say, I don't see them putting the titles on them. Now, they could. Right, Lij top merch sellers, very popular. Maybe they want to, maybe they want to put a shine on Shingo, but I don't think you should do that at the expense of Sho and Yo. I think Sho and Yo are staples of this division for the time being. Right, I mean, and that's been the whole story they've been it's, telling the whole it's year. It's the culmination of the story. They, right. they need to pay it off. Like now. they can't. Ch- I don't think we need to chase anymore. Like if, if if they don't win it and then say they get it two months from now, I'm gonna be. It's gonna be a deflated victory right. at that point. Yeah, this is their time. This is their time. They need to win it. I'm going Rapungi 3K all day. Me too. And also, I think that before we move, I want to say this: putting these three juniors right after Bushi, uh, Abushi, and um, Osprey—very smart decision because they can kind of up the ante as far as aerials and craziness. But mm-hmm. also, it's not a singles match, so it's a totally different style match. This match is going to be chaotic, yeah, and all over the place. And so they don't have to live up to the same standard that Abushi and Osprey set. And I'm sure you're going to see a lot of shenanigans with uh, 
with Rapungi three. Or I'm sorry, with Suzuki Goon and with Bushi. I think this is the smartest match you could have possibly put behind a big match like Abushi and Osprey. Yeah. To set the tone for and and it's one of the reasons that this card on paper looks great. It's not just the matchups; it's the the card pick, structure. The structure is so smart. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be great. Um, oh my god, the next match. <laughs> yeah, so match number three is for the Rev Pro British Heavyweight Championship. The champion Tomohiro Ishii defending against the challenger Zack Saber Jr. I'm very excited for this. Um, you know, these guys have had four matches. I've seen all four of them. I was there live for one of them. So were you. The Rep Pro match yeah, in, we in saw, New Yeah, we saw the big title change. Ishii getting his uh, world title win. And, you know, you got a guy in Zack Sabre who uh, has gotten a ref stoppage on Tomohiro Ishii. He has... He tapped him out, right? Tapped him out this past year. Um, and, yeah. So, I mean, um, Ishii beat... So... The first match they had was last year during the um, the G1 in USA tournament, and Ishii picked up the win there and obviously went on to the finals against Omega, and I remember thinking that match was way better than I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Then in the G1, Zack Sabre got the ref stoppage on Tomohiro Ishii, which was insane. We saw the trilogy match in New Orleans where Ishii got tied up and pretzeled, but overcame it using his strikes and eventually got that skinny punk out of there <laughs> and had that defining moment. And then they had their fourth match this past year where he, uh, during the G1, Zack Sabre was able to armbar him and get him to tap out. Mm-hmm. And then even just a few months ago, during the tag match they had um, in the World Tag League, he passed out Ishii. So that wasn't even a ref stoppage. That was a pass out. So he's passed out Ishii. He's gotten a ref stoppage on him. And he's gotten him to tap out. Those are three definitive visual victory. Zack Sabre has looked brutal against one of the scariest wrestlers, our, literally our strong style wrestler of the year, yeah. the Carl Gotch Award winner, Tomohiro Ishii. Um, I think Ishii's got something to prove here. Um, he's got to, to basically defend his championship, the the championship, uh, what, what did uh, uh, Lanny Poffo call it? The championship of the British? The British champion, yeah, the championship <laughs> of the British. He needs to uh, defend his Union Jack crown. And um, I think that this match will be short. I think it'll be between 12 and 15 minutes. I think it will be excellent because these guys have so much familiarity with one another. Right, and not not only the singles matches, but like you mentioned, the World Tag League stuff. Also, there have been several tag matches in Rev Pro. Um, They've had a lot of tag matches this year. Yeah, this has kind of been like an uh, an under the radar uh, feud. Yeah, we would have done it as a feud of the year candidate. Um, but and same thing with maybe the Suzuki matches, but so many of them took place outside of New Japan. It didn't feel like it translated to being a major feud um, in New Japan. Yeah. But this feud has been going on, and this is the big, big payoff. I mean, Zack Sabre's never had a big Tokyo Dome match like this. I Ishii has had some big matches, but that was in the Never Division. This is his first Rev Pro title, and <laughs> I think they really do want to showcase this title. And it's smart because all those... Ring of Honor title matches that they used to do in the in the dome always involved American guys, right? But Ishii's one of the most over guys in Japan, and they've got this. This is the smart way to get the Rep Pro title over in the dome, right? They're using two guys that are over in New Japan. Yeah, they made Zack Saber a star this past year. Yeah. So this is a this is a high stakes match. It has meaning and significance. Um, I'm very excited for it. I think Tomohiro Ishii 
is going to retain the title here. That is my pick also. We're back to back on the same page. Now, uh, I'm nervous saying that because Zach is one of the all-time longest reigning Rep Pro champions. Mm-hmm. It would make a lot of sense, I'm sure. I don't know how he does you know, ticket-wise, but with everything changing so drastically in England, um, that's probably a big ace in your cap if you can headline your shows with Zack Sabre, given the NXT UK stuff. So there might be incentive to run Zack as champion again. Mm-hmm. However, I, I feel like the New Japan guys are a huge draw in the, the UK market. I agree. I, I feel like... I feel like those guys, the UK almost values them a little bit more than the US does. Like, they come over there and, like, they're treated like gods. And I, I feel like maybe it's the companies, too. I think that the way Rev Pro treats the Japanese stars versus the way that Ring of Honor books them and treats them is very is vastly different. Yeah. And they're to- two totally different types of companies. Right. In terms of their goals and growth and aspirations, it's very different. And so um, I see Ishii retaining. I feel like he's... He's had so many um, losses against Sabre this year. Like you were saying, I feel like he needs to avenge a loss, and I feel like uh, he just needs to get that momentum again. But wouldn't that be like uh, New Japan to book Ishii to lose in the Dome on January 4th? Doesn't that just feel like a New Japan, like yeah. a Gato decision? Yeah. And, I mean, they're going to give us some happy endings. So, I mean, somebody's got to lose to some of these heels at some point. Yeah. I'm very torn. And I, I think... Zach beating him is a very likely possibility. Right. And, you know, uh, <laughs> Zach, um, you know, two days later is going to have that match with the, the bastard King Pac. Um, and that's in Rep Pro, right? That's in Rep Pro. So, I mean, if Sabre wins a belt, do they want that to be a title match? They could bring him in as the champion and make it non-title because it was signed before For, he won the Right. Belt. And then you have Pac win. and that's, Set that's, up the title match in the future. Right. Or, I mean, you could just have Pac beat Saber, and then you do Pac versus Ishii in a oh. future show. <laughs> Bro, my knees are weak. I'm starting, uh, like, palms are sweaty, vomit out of my shirt, mom's spaghetti. He's nervous, but on the surface, he looks calm and ready. No, nah, yeah, I'm very, very, very excited for this. Uh, this match, I'm, I, I, anytime Ishii and Zack Saber are going to wrestle, I'm excited. I want to see him brain buster that skinny punk. Um, I expect this to be a really, really, really good match, and I just I got to go with Ishii because I it's my, it's a it's a gut thing. I want to see him get that big moment in the Tokyo Dome. Yeah, man, I'm all all behind the stone pit bull here. Also, Zack Sabers had so many big moments this year. I mean, yeah, beating Naito, winning New Japan the, Cup, winning the New Japan Cup. I mean, he's he's had big moments. I feel like this. I mean, is, this 2018 has been a Zack Saber year. I mean, he was. It's in, time for Ishii to get a come up, and they're still gonna keep Saber strong going forward. Yeah. And I'm sure, well, depending on what his flight situation is, I'm not sure if he'll be at New Year's Dash, but if he if he can somehow work that out, I could see him doing something big in New Year's Dash. Yeah, also with, with New Japan featuring RevPro, I think having, they're both, I mean, obviously these are both New Japan guys, but having their domestic talent win the match, then maybe they can set up some sort of angle for a RevPro match in New Japan afterwards, keeping the title on Ishii for right. New Year's Dash. They did that a few years ago when Shibata was the champion. They they set up a, a Rep Pro match at New Year's Dash the next night. So that would make sense to me. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe they run back uh, Ishii and Suzuki. Possibly. And also, we're going to move on. But one thing I want to point out, we're going to see a lot of uh, Gaijin talent versus domestic superstars. And this is like one of the first, uh, well, I guess the first one was Osprey and Ibushi. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of seeing that trend continue. And it's kind of like 
uh, New Japan versus the world. Yeah. Or, or you know, J- Japan versus, you know. US, you all not USA. Uh, but, like, the gaijin, the, yeah. the outsiders, the foreigners. So, yeah. um, continuing theme there. But it is interesting. I've picked, in both cases, New Japan talent to go over. Yeah, well, I went with Osprey on the first one. But, yeah, I'm definitely here with Ishii. Yeah, but I'm talking about me. I know, I'm just saying. Me. I know, I'm just saying for me. It's me, it's me. <laughs> it's DDP. Um... <laughs> uh, so, I don't know why I'm trying to bury you so much. I'm being antagonistic. <laughs> I'm a jerk. Well, well you're, you're the heel, so... And, I'm not a heel. And you're wearing your, your Alpha Club shirt right now, so... Yeah, you guys... Uh, you got the spirit of Chris Jericho Jer- running through you. Nah, I, I'm... Yeah, I'm not <laughs> tranquilo. I'm effing crazy. All uh, right, so let's get on to this uh, 60-minute classic match that's about to take place. Yeah, the IWGP Tag Team Championship match. We have the champions, Tangaloa and Tamatonga against the World Tag League winners, Sonata and Evil, against the 13 minutes match, Matt, Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. So one thing I want to say, what if the Never title match goes 60 minutes, this match goes 60 minutes, the U.S. title match goes 60 minutes, the IC title, uh, like all these different, like what if that was like what wrestling was like, all these matches were like out an hour long. Bro. You know, that's why they started working one of the big reasons why they started doing works instead of shoots was because wrestling matches back in like they the- would just go forever, forever, yeah. forever, <laughs> forever. <laughs> Have you ever seen that match? But I haven't. I saw the promo. I don't think I've seen the match. It's a great. It's well, I wouldn't say great. It's a very good tag team match in all Japan. But yeah, the mm. at the first or maybe it's the second Terry Funk uh, retirement. Forever. <laughs> yeah. So, but I'm glad that sometimes. Matches don't go on forever. Um, so what are we what are we thinking here? We got the OG Bull Club with God. We got Lij. We got the Bull Club Elite. This could very likely be, at least for the foreseeable future, the last time we see the Young Bucks in the Tokyo Dome. Yeah. Um, for me, um, I think Evil and Sonata are going to win. I feel like the, you know they wanted to push these guys this year as the top. Uh, Japanese tag team in the company that push got hindered with um, Evil's injury and then they ended up doing single stuff afterwards so I feel like they're kind of trying to get back on track with the original plan that's why they won the World Tag League and I feel like that's why they're going to win here and they're going to push Evil and Sonata as a tag team again which opens up some single spots for other potential guys um, to work in and they're going to run with Evil and Sonata I am going to, and I never, I haven't put any thought into this, but just now, as we speak, I am going to pick Tamatanga and Tangaloa God to retain their titles. Mm. Um, I feel like you got to have some heels go over at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, Evil and Sonata is my natural inclination. That's exactly what I want to say makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time. Evil and Sonata are both proven commodities as singles. Yeah. And if you have Tamatanga and Tangaloa win, A, they kind of bury Nick and Matt on the way out. Yeah. You also keep the momentum for the OG Bullet Club going strong, going into the match with Switchblade and Okada later in the night. So it's like a big win for them. That's a big win for them, by the way. And then they go and they headline Cork and Hall the next night as double champions. 
And if they are going to drop the titles... So, you keep saying headline. Is it official that that never matches the main event of New Year's Dash? No, but, like, the last two years in a row, ha- hasn't the six-man tag titles pretty much headlined? I don't I don't remember it a lot. I know it did two years ago, and I feel like it did last year. I could be wrong. Maybe my memory is failing me. But I, it feels like, because it's the only title match, it usually is the one that headlines. Gotcha. I, I could be wrong. Yeah. But, um... Even if it's not, even if it's just a showcased match, I'm gonna go with them. It just makes a lot of sense to me. Sonata and Evil, if you had them win, yes, that would be great and stuff. But I have a feeling that come New Japan Cup time, we're gonna see potentially Sonata have a great run and that sort of thing, and maybe mm. even Evil. Um, I think that with a lot of guys, see, you said like, okay, if they win the tag titles, right? Mm-hmm. It opens up single spots. But when in reality, I'm I'm anticipating. I'm gonna just bank on the idea that the elite guys are leaving, mm-hmm. and we need singles guys to move up. They're two of the most poised guys to be ready to move up. Yeah, and that's why I feel like don't put the tag titles on them. Keep it on God and move those two guys up into those single spots. They've already headline. They both headlined pay per views this past year. Sonata with Okada. Evil with Jericho. It makes more sense to me to split them up after this mm-hmm. and make them... They, they already won the World Tag League twice in a row. They've proven themselves. G.O.D. kind of needs this. G, where, where's G.O.D. going to go from this? You know, maybe they you know, just run this, the six-man division. Maybe they do, but I feel like I feel like they're going to drop the titles mm-hmm. um, the next night, potentially, the six-man tags, and um, which doesn't make sense because I, I, I chose Chaos, so I'm like kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth. <laughs> Yeah, that's but, what, I feel like they're going to lose here and then retain New Year's Dash. But, I don't know. It can, it can go, like we've been saying, like it can go either way. Mm-hmm. So, any 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 other thoughts on this one? Um, no, that's essentially, that's my thought. I think that this is going to be an entertaining match. Um, you know, I think the big thing is we're talking mostly about G.O.D. and L.I.J. And we're kind of just discounting the Young Bucks and... You gotta feel like they're going to be. I feel like they're gonna be the ones who take the pinfall. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, put put the guys over on your way out. Matt Matt's back is hurt, yeah. and uh, I feel like they're gonna. Tr- I feel like they're gonna try to do a blow away performance because it's their potentially last time right. in the Tokyo Dome. Yeah, um, maybe Dude, we, maybe what, maybe we're wrong. Maybe they're staying. Well, what if it's not? Like, what if like what if the elite guys like win all the matches and they're like they could. We're staying. Like we're partnering with New Japan and. Yeah, they might be staying. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I, also, I do think that there will be some elite presence next year um, in New Japan. I don't doubt it. Um, but I, even with that, I still don't think the Bucks are going to win Here's here. the thing, though. If they all win all their matches, they're tipping their hand to what's going to happen going forward. Or maybe maybe it just confuses us. I don't know. But it feels like if they, if they lose all their matches, now there's uncertainty in the air still. Mm-hmm. And if they do stay, then... Great, you know, mm-hmm. but they, they're freed up to leave. So now, before they make their announcement, you have no clue. It looks like they're leaving. You don't know what but they're the announcement's doing. happening before this show, though. Oh, is it? You're right. You're right. My bad. I'm yeah. I'm working off false pretenses. But still, the, even though they make the announcement, they're not saying whether they're staying with New Japan or not. So that there's still that that's that, true. That mystery could still be. That's that's why uh, you're such a great partner on this podcast. You're so astute. <laughs> you're like Mike Tanay. You're like Chris Charlton. You're just. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I this will be good. I don't think that this is anywhere going to be anywhere near the top match of the show, but it should be very entertaining. Yeah, um, I see this being like two bruising teams kind of going up against a high flying team, and it's going to be pretty crazy. 
I'm gonna say Tangaloa and Tamatanga just use their wiles and their their snarkiness and and uh, Jado and uh, yeah, and they, they're gonna have Master Heater out there yeah. and they're gonna pick up the win. I say Matt is going to eat uh, a super power bomb off the top and get the one, two, three, and, mm, yeah, and when on I say on the injured back, and when I say that, I can see it on your face that you're like, this could happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I literally, I, I, was like, <laughs> I was like Nick Jackson for like. <laughs> having, the, having the vision, like seeing like uh, Matt Jackson going up for that super power bomb. So yeah, I I totally could see that happen. I I'm, I probably am wrong on this one, but I'm gonna stick with no. My, Lij I, makes a lot I of stick sense. With my gut. Lij uh, makes a lot of sense. Remember last year when you picked Lij for everything and you were like, L- it's gonna be an Lij night. They're winning. They're sweeping everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah oh, I remember. Yeah. Because you were wrong, <laughs> and I was wrong a lot too, actually. Yeah. Oh yeah, so I'm think I'm seeing. Uh, I think I picked Switchblade to beat Tanahashi. Uh-huh. I was yeah. an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So yeah, I see uh, Matt uh, eating a uh, magic killer from Lij. Nice. So next up, we have the IWGP US Heavyweight Championship match. Oh my match. god, we still got five singles matches. Yes. What a card, dude! Yes, the champion Cody taking on the challenger Juice Robinson. Uh, Juice finally getting his uh, title rematch here. Yes. So Juice is... um, Obviously, Juice is on a redemption story arc. Um, How many years is he going to have to be on a chase and a redemption story arc? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, so he had earlier in the year kind of won the... Well, not kind of. He did. He won the U.S. title from Jay White in the Cow Palace... We were all anticipating great things. This legendary title run, or at least, you know, a decent one. Right. A, a, a run. A run. There was no run. There was a stumble. He went, he went <laughs> and he to, fell. He went to the B block, and he got destroyed by the killers, and then he came out of it, and Cody, for some reason, got a magic title shot. Nobody knows why. He just, you know, called him out, got a title shot, and then beat him clean. Um, what, what show was that? That was in the U.S.? That, yeah. That was Fighting Spirit Unleashed. Yes. So... And at the time, Cody was the NWA champion, was fresh off of All In, one of the hottest acts in all of wrestling. And, you know, the Western expansion is killing New Japan, apparently. That was <laughs> that was all the rage and all the talk. But, um, you know, Meltzer kind of said at the time that they were doing this to set up a Cody Juice match. So you got to imagine, again, with the AEW stuff coming up, with Juice getting jobbed out at Fighting Spirit Unleashed and them giving him a lackluster title um, run... This has got to be the time he gets the belt back. He he establishes himself with a big win in the Tokyo Dome. And then on the horizon, you've got a whole half year where he can have easy title defenses. I don't mean easy, but I mean you don't have the G1 as this right. big There's not thing. something like where he has to, you know. Job a bunch. Right. Like, I feel like, uh, you know, New Beginning Tour. Uh, what else is... Um, Dontaku, yeah, the New Japan Sakura Cup, Genesis, yeah, New Sk- Japan Cup, um, WrestleMania weekend, um, Dominion, I, yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity for for him to actually have the kind of run that we had hoped for, and this would basically catapult him. Um, yeah. The other interesting thing is that this is a rematch of a match that they had what three years ago, or was it two years ago? I think two years ago. Um, I don't. Uh, yes, two years ago. It was uh, two years ago. Yeah. 
and uh, you know another reason why I think Jesus is gonna win is you know he's going to be um, featured more in Ring of Honor next year. That's true. Um, and I'm sure it, they're gonna want to position him more as a star for Ring of Honor. So I see him winning the belt here, and then potentially maybe defending that belt more in Ring of Honor. Uh, 2019. What was the point of the U.S. title? It was for them to expand their presence. Their big partner in the U.S. is uh, Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor is going to be featuring Juice. you got to imagine they are going to want the, the U.S. champion to be on those shows. Now, could they do Cody? Yeah, but it seems like Cody and Ring of Honor, for the time being, we're going to assume, are split. So um, this is kind of Cody's chance to give back and put Juice over in a big way and make him into a big star. Um and kind of going back to what we had said earlier, I mean, with this story, Juice, just two years ago, was an enhancement guy that they gave a, a spot to to showcase Cody making his debut in New Japan mm-hmm. at the Tokyo Dome. They had a, they actually, I liked the match. I thought it was entertaining. It wasn't blow away. Right. It was a good match. But it was a good match. But Juice was obviously not on Cody's level at the time. He was just graduating from the dojo, you know, this former NXT guy. And then you got Cody, who was like a former IC champion, you know, this indie darling, newly found indie fame, you know, Ring of Honor, Impact, you know, Evolve, all that sort of stuff. So Cody was kind of made his bones off of Juice. Um, this is Juice's chance to avenge that loss, avenge the loss to him a few months ago, regain his title, regain his self-esteem, find his placement in New Japan. It's a redemption story, and he needs this win. Uh, if he loses... Then um, he's, he's a geek. He's a geek. He's a jag. Um, I know that a lot of times people are like, well, hold up, hold up. But, you know, there are times where a guy can only lose in the big situation so many times before you go to him. Right. And they need to not do that to Juice. Like, this is his chance. This is time. The fans are behind him. Cody, he needs to get Cody out of there. <laughs> uh, I think this match will be good. Sound like Rich Lada. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think it'd also be a, a good match, and yeah, I'm I'm firmly behind Juice, and I'm hoping that uh, Juice uh, goes over here. And then our next match, we have the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match: the champion Kushida taking on the challenger, the Bone Soldier Taiji Ishimori. Very, very, very exciting match. I don't think we've had a Kushida Ishimori one-on-one match yet. Yeah, they were in the A block and B block, uh, respectively, mm-hmm. during the Best of Super Juniors. Um, and if they've ever had a singles match, maybe outside of Japan or outside of New Japan, I'm not uh, aware of it. Um, so they've kind of been saving this match. This is what I projected to be the finals of the Best of the Super Juniors. Mm-hmm. And I was wrong, and I dissuaded a lot of you listeners <laughs> who sent in your ballots for that. I apologize. But we're finally getting it here, and um, all I can say is that this match is going to be great. But I anticipate it is time for them to make Taiji Ishimori a star. He, he's he been looming in the rafters like Sting in 97. <laughs> and it's time for him to descend on Kushida and to hit him with the freaking bat, hit him with the freaking uh, scorpion death drop, hold the bat to J.J. Dillon's neck, <laughs> run wild on the NWO, kill fake Sting, and avenge WCW. So it's it's Ishimori's time. Yeah, and once again, I agree with you. Um, uh, Ishimori's been somebody they've been building since he came to the company. He had that big win against Will Ospreay um, night one on the Best of Super Junior Tournament. Um, he's another guy, I feel like he's almost been in a Shingo role where they've kind of kept him on the back burner with like the never six-man titles and um, 
featuring him, but not in like big roles. And now finally they have the opportunity to push him again in a singles role. So um, I think uh, Ishimori is going to get the big win here. Yeah, I mean, this match has every um, opportunity, given the talent level and given the skill of these two guys, to be an, an incredible match. And I think a lot of people are sleeping on it. I have heard like other podcasters though be like, "This is my sleeper pick to be match of the night," and I do say there's no way that, given the matchups that are on this card, it could really realistically be the match of the night. Only because I don't feel like there's enough story behind it or enough anticipation. But I think the crowd is going to. I think that they're going to tell a compelling story. It's going to be very athletic based. Ishimori is a dynamo in the ring. Kushida is the consummate professional and just an incredible talent. But his time in the junior division, I mean, he's done everything there is to do. He does not need the win. Ishimori needs the win. And again, the same way that I predicted the OG Bullet Club to win the tag titles, I see him getting the big win here, taking the junior heavyweight title, and give and giving that momentum to Jay Waito when he faces Okada. But this match is, should be excellent. Um, and I think it could potentially be a big star-making performance for Taiji Ishimori. Definitely. We've seen Kushida do that for Hiromu in the past. Different guys. Um, and I think that this is Taiji's chance to catapult himself. Yeah. During the awards show last week, we all three of us mentioned, you know, we felt like Taiji, we want to see more of Taiji um, featured in New Japan. And I feel this is a way to do it. Put the belt on him here and then just give him a, that six-month run. Have him, you know, Go through challenger after challenger, make him look strong going into the best of the super juniors. Maybe when Hiromu gets back, yeah, that we, they run it back because we that was you know the junior match of the year apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. I'm yeah, excited. It's gonna be great. I feel bad for Kushida because I feel like he's gonna be looking up at the one two three and he's gonna be wondering what where do I go from here. Like he does every year. <laughs> yeah, but this time feels more definitive because now it's going to be like, really, where does he go from here? It kind of reminds me of like Liger when Liger like ran out of stuff to do in the junior division and he was like, I've done it all. What happens next? Yeah. But Kushida's younger. Kushida versus and, Osprey, never open weight title. Well, also think about this. His contract's coming up. And he was one of the rumored guys to be jumping ship. Yeah. I'm not saying he's going to, but I'm just saying like, Mm, it's possible. It's possible. Yeah. What's Kushida sitting in NXT TakeOver? <laughs> What's Kushida doing in the Impact Zone? <laughs> um, so next up, we have a special singles match between... This one's special. The other singles matches were not special. This one's special. Yes. The, uh, but they've all been title matches, haven't they? Yeah. Wow. Non-title. Yes, non-title. 60-minute time limit. Mm-hmm. The Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada, taking on Switchblade, Jay White. The most improved from the uh, Keeping a Strong Style Awards. Oh, man. This is <laughs> this is a tough one. Yeah. So, um... Neither of us want to talk about it. I, I'm... Neither I, of us want to open our mouth because <laughs> neither of us want to be wrong and say something stupid is what I'm, like, sensing right now. Because yeah. I don't want to start this off and be like, well, this is what it is, yeah. and then and then be embarrassed because this one feels... It feels like it should be so obvious. And let me just say, I think we both think, obviously, we think Okada should just take this one. But there's a... I have a lot of doubt, and I'm scared. Well, <laughs> well I'll, I'll shoot first. So, I, I think... Okada is going to win. 
Um, I feel like when this whole this whole feud with Jay White, he's kind of been, um, you know, on the bottom end of the feud. Um, every turn you you go, Jay White's laying Okada out. Uh, the Bullet Club destroyed the Dream Team during the World Tag League Tour. Um, Jay White beat Okada in the G1. Jay White's had Okada's number for so long now, and uh, you know I think this is the moment that Okada finally gets some comeuppance and finally you know gets some revenge on Jay White and um, uh, Gato. And I feel like we're gonna see like the reestablishing of the Rainmaker here and um, kind of launching Okada into a big year. I am wondering, has Okada ever beaten Jay White? Uh, I know they only had the one singles match this past year during the uh, G1. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering, in multi-man matches, has he ever been on a winning team against Jay White? Uh, I'm cage matching it right now. Yeah, go ahead and do that. Because, yeah, off the top of my head right now, I'm only thinking about the uh, the Bullet Club versus Dream Team matches that happened during the World Tag League Tour, which they you know they won none of those matches. Well, I mean, you had a you had a really 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 good point when you said essentially, um, you know, even if even if he has ever been on a winning team against Jay White, he's never pinned Jay White, he's never beaten him on a one on one situation, he's never gotten a visual victory in a multi man match um, that we know of. So with that being said, it's like oh, Jay White has always been one step ahead of him, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and and of course you know Gato will be out there, so there's always a chance of interference and distraction. Oh. They're, they're, I'm I'm pretty sure there'll be a ref bump in this match. Okay, so they they Beretta and Okada did defeat Fale and Jay White in that short match during Power Struggle. Oh yeah yeah yeah. But for the majority of these matches, bro, it's almost. All Bullet Club. Um, yeah, the next one was basically during uh, Road to Power Struggle. Chaos. Uh, the, there was a four-man team, a three-man team of Chaos that picked up a win against uh, the OG Bullet Club by DQ. But I mean, I'm going back, and yeah, since October, I don't. I can't even count how many matches it, it's been. But it's literally been almost entirely Bullet Club. So I mean. It's more than 20. It's yeah. more than 20 matches that Bullet Club has gotten the victory. So Okada's just been getting killed uh, by Jay White and by the OG Bullet Club. Um, they've, they've done nothing but make Jay White look smarter, more ma- maniacal, um, plotting, and cerebral when it comes to this feud. Whereas Okada has basically been, been mind-effed. He, he went from being this wrestling god... This golden goose for New Japan, the ace, the rainmaker, and turned into this zany, lost, plotting balloon, balloon carrying, <laughs> red haired geek. <laughs> this guy who doesn't know who he is and he can't. It's like when they say like he has all the tools. Right. Okada's got all the tools, but he can't put it together. <laughs> um. And, but he's been fueled with rage because Jay White turned on him, because Jay White poisoned chaos, because Jay White uh, basically usurped him and has util- – he used Okada as a tool to turn himself into a star. He was just a young boy like two years ago. Yeah. So it's very compelling. And this is why so many people are interested in this storyline. And so you got to imagine that this is Okada's chance to redeem himself and slay that dragon and – 
you know, basically get the monkey off his back. Yeah, so that's what that's what I'm that's what I'm picturing here. My fear, <laughs> my my conventional wisdom is that the ace doesn't lose in the Tokyo Dome. Right. Yeah, and that's another thing. You know, we've we've kind of seen that. You look past that previous um, January fourth shows, the ace usually at the time goes over. And make no mistake about it. You know, you got Naito in a big match. You got Kenny and and Tanahashi, but the ace of this company is still Okada, even if he's in a diminished role. At this current time, he is the top star of New Japan Pro Wrestling. So you gotta, you you gotta think that that's the way you gotta go when it comes to this. But there's this other part of me that's like, Okada's not Okada. He's not the Rainmaker right now. He's this broken character, and I'm very nervous that Jay White is going to pick up a big win in the Tokyo Dome over Okada and keep him spiraling afterwards because. Mm-hmm. Gato might book that. I'm going to say this. I'm going to go with Okada because logic tells me I have to go with Okada, but I have this fear, this paranoia. Know, this is the one match that we have talked about off the air. It's the only one that I've been thinking about right. that I'm scared about. We've talked about it now. You were leaning towards Jay White at first. but No, I just I, w- I wanted to see if you would corroborate my anxiety about it. Mm. And I actually feel like I had stronger points about why Jay White might win back then. I don't remember what they were specifically. Mm -hmm. Now it's just become an emotion. Now it's just a a, a sinking feeling and a fear. Yeah. Um, Which I I think that's the feeling they they want us to have. (laughs) They had a masterful job of making Jay Jay White a credible threat to, um, you know, knocking off Okada on the dome. So they did a great job of that. Do you know why I feel this way? Because everything points to Okada winning. Is that too obvious? It could be. Like, is Gato just going to do a heartbreak? Like, is this, this going to be an Okada-Naito situation where everybody's like, Naito's going to win, Naito has to win, Naito has to win, and then next thing you know, Rainmaker, one, two, three. Oh, here's the main reason I thought that Jay White might win and why I've been scared. I forgot what it was, but now I remember. We'll talk about Kenny a little bit later on, but Kenny's basically the Gaijin ace. Mm-hmm. Hypothetically, if he's gone, we don't know if he is or not. They gotta move Jay into that role. Now Jay doesn't need this win to do that. He can he's still the leader of the, the bullet club, so but what if they have him go over Okada to truly set him up as a super star? And he can say, I'm the only man who's ever, you know, or well, he's not the only man that's ever beat Okada in the dome, but like he has that big feather in his cap. And he's like, I destroyed Okada. And then maybe he goes after Omega afterwards, or maybe he goes after Tanahashi afterwards. And you send Okada on the on the outs, still trying to find himself. Yeah. It's a scary thought because it could happen. It, it could. makes so right. much sense to me. Yeah. But I gotta go with Okada. Yeah. I feel I don't know. I feel like we're going to get the Rainmaker coming back. Oh. No pants? I I don't know about the pants. <laughs> no long boys? I don't know about the long boys, but I feel like we're gonna get the Okada. He's going to come out, no balloons, he's going to hit Rainmaker pose, the Rainmaker bucks are going to fall from the dome. Bro, you want to see me mark out when that music hits, but then there's no, no. like, <laughs> yeah, and the music keeps going, you're going to see me freaking pants off, shirt <laughs> off, spinning it like a helicopter, <laughs> I'm going to kick over that love seat over there, I'm going to wreck 
Strong Style Studios. I'm going to break your TV. <laughs> and we're not even going to know what happened because I'm because it's it. We already won. There's no pain. Like, <laughs> no, but I'm just playing. But um, I'm going to be excited if he if he comes out in the gold and the pink and come or maybe even something new that we've never seen before because that's probably what he would do. It'd probably be a new attire. Right. As long as yeah, he gets I rid feel, of the red hair. Yeah, and, I feel like we're going to get the gold hair. Yeah. We're going to... The, the Okada Bucks. Oh um, my God! Yes, dude. I feel I'm, I'm excited. Like just thinking about. It, I'm like, yeah. So um, now here, before we move on, this is the the big thing we're talking about. You know, speculations, the story, the build. What about this? Jay White has never had a truly great classic match. The one that people could probably point to is the Juice Robinson match, and even that is. Not, I wouldn't say in the same category as a five-star classic. Right. And people are waiting for him to show up and show out and show that what kind of performer he can truly be. It's been the one big knock on him this year from a lot of pundits and, you know, uh, fans. Is he going to do that with Okada? Because regardless of the outcome, regardless of the build and all that, if this match is a dud... In the, in the number three spot, because that's where he was last year with Tanahashi, I think. But somewhere near here, if it's a dud again, like he was, like if he draws a dud in the dome with Tanahashi and then one with Okada, what do we say about that? doesn't matter how good his character work is and, all, and his mic work and all that. Mm-hmm. And are we going to see a, a classic? Like, what do you think? Do you think it's realistic that we see that? Or what do you think is going to happen? I don't know. I mean, he's wrestling Okada. Um... And I, like I say, I feel like we're going to get that prime Rainmaker back. So I feel like Okada's going to work really hard to make sure this match is really good. Um, and then it's going to be up to Jay White to kind of step up. Um, you know, I, I feel like it's going to be a very good match. I, I feel like it's going to at least be uh, above four stars. Uh, if, if it's above four stars, it'll be passable, but people will still have the criticisms. For me... You gotta go at least four and a half, no less. If it's less than that, this will actually, in my opinion, be somewhat of a failure because it's Okada in the dome. Right. And I and, and the thing is, I think with the placement, they've got this before the Jericho and Naito match, because I assume that's gonna be a brawl, and then you're gonna get a classic again with Kenny and Tanahashi. Mm-hmm. So they're slotted in a place where they can have an epic classic. That the Okada match, which I love. And I feel like if he can't do it with Okada, then we got to really re, re- – We got some problems, Chief. Yeah, we're going to have some problems because all these uh, allowances we've been making for this kid and we've been saying give him time, let him develop. And he's he's shown us a lot. But if he can't deliver in the big spot, doesn't matter if he wins, doesn't matter if he's a, the foreign ace. I don't care what you do. If he can't deliver – this is New Japan Pro Wrestling – this is the promotion where you gotta deliver on that level. If you can't do it with with Kazushika Okada, who's probably the best wrestler alive today, who can wrestle any style, we got problems. Yeah. So I'm like almost. That's another thing I'm fe- I'm fearful of. Are they gonna deliver? Yeah, I think a lot of people have been questioning. You know how you know how good is this match actually gonna be? The story has been great. Um, Jay White promo-wise has been great. Man, if it's one of them Jay White G1 matches, you can miss me with that. All right. If it's one of them chair shot matches from the G1. And you know what? I didn't like the Tanahashi match that much. The one that everyone's like, oh, it was way better. Uh, the, yeah. In the G1? No, no, no. Um, the, the rematch for the briefcase. And everyone was oh, like, oh, okay. Everyone was like, oh, it was so great. And I was like, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors, man. Yeah. We're in the Tokyo Dome. If you give me that... I'm I'm gonna hand wave this match. 
You I, better deliver. I, I feel like there will be some smoke mirrors, though. Uh, I, I, I guarantee this. I'll make some allowances, but there's a way to do it within the context of having a great match. And I don't think that Jay White has really mastered that. I don't want to see it to the extent that it has been. They better give me a classic. Yeah. Because I, it's because that's what we need to see out of Jay White. If you want to be in this company, you want to be on that level, you want to draw, you want to be a superstar, you better perform. Yeah. Against Okada. Because, I mean, I, def- I definitely feel like there's going to be a ref bump in here and Gato is going to get involved. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And I'm all, I'm all for that. I'm not against those sorts of things. I'm not... I'm not this purist where it's got to be a catch as catch on the mat classic. Right. This is not Okada Tanahashi. This is this is been built over a year. I expect for things like that to happen. But if it's like the G1, and you know what I'm saying, like if it's like the matches he had in the G1, you can miss me with that. Or if it's like Wrestle Kingdom last year. Oh yeah, and if and if you that was that was them trying to have a Matt classic and it just didn't it didn't deliver. It was like flat. it was a, yeah, it was flat. I mean it was fine. It was fine. And if this match is just fine and we wrecked Okada over it and we elevated Jay White over it and then they just come out here and they do a fine match, I will call this a failure. Mm. All right. And, and that could happen. Yeah. And I'm scared that, that could <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of fear and anxiety. For this match, for this specific match, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but so, I'm excited. Yeah, it, it's not all negative because Jay White could get elevated. This could be the night that Okada makes Jay White. Yeah, and and going forward, everything that we've been saying about this guy and the potential he has, and everything we've seen from him, it could be, um, you know, fulfilled. Yeah. Uh, so next up, we are at the semi-main event. The IWGP Intercontinental Championship match. The champion, the Alpha Chris Jericho, taking on Tetsuya Naito. Uh, I'm expecting this one to be a, a, a brawl. It's it, it, that's That's been Jericho's style of match. Um, I expect the same thing. I am very excited. I'm excited for this match now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know... Um, I don't know. I, we, I feel like we talked about it so much the other week. Um, I'm trying to like find words for it. Yeah, uh, you know, um, both of these men have come out in the last uh, weeks and said that it's going to be both of their opponents' last, last match. match. They're here to which, put them out which, of wrestling, which makes me think we're definitely getting some kind of crazy bloody brawl. Um, and I feel a- like 80s Memphis, sign me up. Yes. 80s Mid Atlantic, sign me up. And we know Gato loves Memphis, so you know if this is Mid South in the 80s, these blood feuds, sign me up. World class, I'm all about it. Um, and I feel like um, going into this match, I feel like Naito has a psychological edge on Jericho. Uh, I feel like Naito, you know, based off the press conference and the videos that uh, you know Naito has been tranquilo this whole time. And that has just kind of riled Jericho up. I feel like going into the first match, Jericho wasn't as riled up as he is now. Yeah, he was under Naito's skin the whole time. Naito was kind of like distracted with other things. Jericho was like this nuisance. He just, he kept interjecting himself into Naito's career. Naito's like, who is this dude? Why is he, why why are you doing this? I don't understand. Yeah. And at this point now, he's had time to ruminate. He's had time to grow. And he's been more, he's much more prepared for what he's gonna get with Jericho. The first match was a bump, he got bamboozled and bombarded. I mean, Jericho jumped him and beat the crap out of him to start out mm-hmm. the match, and he never was really able to regain his, his placement. 
I think this time he, he knows the tricks that Jericho plays. He knows the games that he has. In kayfabe, you could say he's studied him. He's watched the tape. Right, yeah. He's um, done his homework. He's done his homework. <laughs> Before he was saying, I don't know who Jericho is. And Jericho was like, you're going to learn today. Right. <laughs> and he did, yeah. And he learned. Um, uh, and this time he was like, you know what, Jericho? He, he told Jericho, he's like, I want to take the title off you so that you're irrelevant and you'll be out of my life because no one needs you in this company once, once the title's off you. And that's interesting. Yeah. Um, there are people who think that Jericho will win and this will set up a match at, say, Madison Square Garden to do the final trilogy. And you give Naito, you know, like he has to finally beat this guy. I hope they don't do that. Personally, I would like to see Jericho, if he stays in New Japan, I don't know if he is, we really don't, we never know a Jericho, but if he stays, I would like to see him move on and work with other talent. I think there's more money in that. Yeah, I agree. I feel like, you know, a Jericho Okada, a Jericho Tanahashi, I mean, there's other top stars for him to work. You could turn him baby, have him work Jay, have him work Suzuki. Right. Um, any of these guys. Yeah, and I feel like, um, you know, we're almost in a situation here with Juice Robinson with Naito. He's kind of, you know, been on the back burner this year. Um, Kayfabe-wise, he has not, you know, been getting the push he, you know, quote-unquote, should a, a guy of his stature should get. And he's has he had some failures this year, um, starting with last year's Wrestle Kingdom. Um, I feel like Naito needs to have a big dome victory here to kind of you know, rekindle that flame and get him going for 2019. Yes, he's still very over. LIJ is still a top faction in New Japan. He is a draw. But if you look at the uh, Tokyo Sports Awards, if you look at the fan voting, Naito has fallen a couple steps than he normally is. Normally, he's first or second in those awards where he slid down to third or not even winning an award at all. Um, I mean, you look at our wrestler of the year voting, not even close in contention for the top three spots. No. So I feel like Naito needs to win this match to kind of rekindle him, reestablish him as a top guy, and for him to have a strong 2019. Because to me, if he loses, not saying he's going to be a jag, but I, I definitely feel like he's He's like a go a goto level kind of guy. Or, it's so sad that we always use that. <laughs> yeah. Or or he's gonna be you know slotted like almost in a Nakamura Nakamura role, but even less than that because Nakamura would win big matches at the dome even at the IC level. But yeah, let's be clear. Like <clears throat> Naito's a bigger star than Nakamura ever was in this company. As crazy as that sounds, yeah, he, he just is. Um, but from a booking standpoint, many times they treated Nakamura better than they have with Naito, and they've really. Uh, and I, I mean, I'm not. This is not a criticism. We've talked about you know the Naito thing all year, but let's just kind of go through his trajectory over the past year. We thought it was going to be his moment against Okada. He loses in the Dome. He goes to the New Japan Cup. He loses to Zack Saber Jr. Uh, you know, he got jumped by Jericho. He ends up in a big feud with Suzuki. He does win the belt, but in a match where up to that point, people had been saying, well, he's been losing, but at least he's having great matches. And then the, when the Suzuki feud, the first match when he won at Hinokuni. That was a dud. It, 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 well, not, was, not, not a dud, a, but you know. It did not live up to the expectations. Right, yeah. Also, he got saddled with the IC title again. And at a point, it didn't make sense. It was like, Why? 
Um, and it kind of felt like they were putting him at a certain level. After that, he ended up losing the big match at Dominion to Jericho. So again, three huge losses throughout the year. Then he comes into the G1, and we expect, oh, that's going to be the time they rebuild him. He loses to Omega. He right, loses. that was the first night, right? He lost to Omega. Yep. And he had a lot of, he had a great G1, but no one talks about his G1 because by the end of it, it was pre- even though he was quote unquote in contention to win, you saw the handwriting on the wall. He wasn't going to win it. When he got beat again by Zack Sabre on the B Block final night, then it's like, okay, another big loss, another tournament that he doesn't win. Um, he got beat by Kenny Omega, who's the IWGP champion, which is a big match. And there was so much, you know, heat going into that match with the Omega's comments about corners, and it was just very apparent that he wasn't going to be near the title in the foreseeable future. So again, it was another huge setback. Um, and then coming out of the G1, he had another feud with Suzuki. He won that, but it just kind of felt like he was just staying in place. The rest of the year, he kind of just seconded the rest of LIJ. He supported his teammates. Right, and he had, he had some kind of lower card feuds with guys like uh, Yoshihashi and um, Taichi. Earlier in the in, earlier in the year, yeah, the, the big the big feud that he had going into Power Struggle, where he won and kind of started rebuilding him, was that he finally beat Zach. He mm-hmm. finally beat Zach. Yeah, but it took all year. So yeah, not only in real world has his stature kind of lowered, but in kayfabe. So now we're here. Jericho's in front of him, we're, and there's people who are going to criticize them putting the IC title on him again, and I get that. And you know, there's people who can wax philosophically about what the IC title represents to him and all that. I, I think that's neither here nor there. I think the big thing is that you got a big star in front of him and you got the Tokyo Dome, this contentious place where he's suffered big defeats yeah. in main events, in co-main events. And it's his time. He has to beat Jericho. The whole thing with Jericho, Jericho respects this business so much and he has always been somebody who's been known for coming in and getting guys over. The whole point of this was to get somebody over. They did not bring Jericho in so that he could retain this IC title and then get him over in April next year. That just doesn't make sense. Jericho's got other business that he needs to do. I see him probably beating some top stars later on in the year if he stays, but this is Naito's time. His time. His time. Naito time. He's got he's got to win this match. Yeah. And I think this is going to be a very violent and brutal match. This is going to be Naito's real man match. Yeah. This is going to be a uh, strong style fight of the year candidate for, for 2019. I agree. I think it's going to be awesome. I'm very excited for it. And um, I'm going to be happy when Naito finally gets the big win. Yeah. Uh, people will be wondering what's going to happen with the IC title. I have no idea. Right. But at least he'll get this big marquee win moment and get some momentum going into the uh, new beginning tours. I will. I'll. I'll. If he loses this whole thing where all the fans are like, win, win with Naito. Like, when's it going to happen? I will finally be, like, at that same point. I'll be in the the, the camp that's like, when are they going to pull the trigger with their top one of their top stars? Like, they got to – Naito's got to win. It, yeah. It'd be bad – to me, I feel like it's bad business if Naito loses at this point because they have diminished him a bit. But after this, he would really be diminished. And so now you're talking about – I know there's money in the chase, but when you diminish a guy to a, a lower level than his star potential has shown he can he can be and the marketability, he will be hurt if they if they have him job here. He needs yeah. the win. Yeah. New Japan needs him to have this win. Yeah, okay, yeah. Couldn't agree with you any more there. 
Uh, so yeah, so both of us got Naito winning here, uh, which brings us to the main event of the evening. Whew. The IWGP <laughs> Heavyweight Championship match. The 66 champion, the cleaner, the best bout machine, the keeping it strong style, 2018 wrestler of the year. Kenny Omega taking on the G1 Climax winner, the ace of the universe, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Once in a lifetime, baby. One in 1,000. Mm-hmm. High five flow. One, two, three. Good night, Irene. The ace going to ride again. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I'm just saying that stuff to be funny. I'm very, uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know, Jeremy. I, I, I don't know what to say I here. Feel like this match is almost like um, Okada Jay White for me. It's very. I can honestly, I can see this match going either way. Originally, when we were around the G one season, and it started to become very apparent, like, oh my God, they're going to do Kenny and Tanahashi. We knew that they were going to do it for a variety of reasons. It, in the Tokyo Dome. They just tradition. Ever since they started doing the whole G1 winner gets a title shot at the Tokyo Dome, mm-hmm. and even before that, ever since these um, Tokyo Dome main events became like a New Japan thing, and it wasn't something where they were dream- because in the early days they were doing these big dream matches between you know Noah guys or M- TNA guys versus New Japan or All right. Japan or whatever. Once it started to become a more focused thing in the Tanahashi era. They typically, for the most part, are not. They would not run a match where the two guys wrestling had wrestled in a singles match in the previous calendar year. Right. Kenny Omega with his G1 run and all the feuds he did. Anyone who was a top challenger, whether it could have been Jay White, Tetsuya Naito, Chris Jericho, Okada, all these big names, it just seemed like well, he already wrestled all of them. There's only one true, and even Ibushi. They gave us all those matches this year, and thank God they did. That's why Kenny Omega's Wrestler of the Year, uh, Ishii. I mean, you can go down the list. Mm-hmm. But it became very apparent. <clears throat> the guy in the A block that he hadn't wrestled, and that was a protected match, and that could draw, was Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yeah. And once we saw Hiroshi Tanahashi win the G1, and they revitalized him and rekindled him and rebuilt him so quickly and made him a legit like contender and a threat... It became very apparent what that match was going to be. But at the same time, the whole time it was happening, I was like, there's no way that when we go to that match that there will be any doubt in my mind about who's winning. It's going to be the story of the old dog, one last chance to ride, one last chance to run it, but he's going to get put down by the new crowned champion in Kenny Omega. This is going to be Kenny Omega's crowning achievement, and they're going to build him. Then AEW happened. Then the elite stuff started happening. Then the doubts came into play. Then Tanahashi resigned, you know, a deal. And then Tanahashi looks so convincing. And now it's becoming like, I'm very nervous. I don't know who's going to win this match. And just a month or two ago, you would have asked me, I would have said, well, Kenny Omega's for sure going to win. Now we don't even know if Kenny's going to be in this company the next night. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a very... Honestly, I this match I, either guy could win this matchup. Like, 
to me, there's not a favorite going into this match. From a story standpoint, last year, remember how confident I was about Naito winning? Yeah, both of us were. No, you picked Okada. I did? Yes, you picked Okada. I did? In the Dome. I thought I picked Naito to win. Oh, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Remember how confident you were to pick Naito? Yeah. And then I was so confident. Yeah, you you picked Okada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I picked Okada, and I knew for sure Okada, because from a story standpoint, business standpoint. Yeah, I remember. I thought you were crazy. I was like. It made it just made all the sense in the world to me. Mm-hmm. There is that, like, um, conspiracy theorist in me that wants to lean towards Tanahashi. Also, mm-hmm. my natural proclivity for being a Tanahashi fan. Um. But the truth is, it makes more sense in the long term to go with Kenny. Um, but I feel like Kenny could leave. And I'm scared of Kenny. And, th- and that's why I don't know this mm-hmm. time. I don't know this time. Yeah. Um, I think for me, I think I'm going to go with Kenny. Um, just because uh, even if all elite wrestling happens... Um, we've seen in previous years that Kenny's New Japan contract does allow him to take outside outside dates and work with some American companies that are not necessarily partners with New Japan. Um, I think he could still have a full-time New Japan deal and then do some shots for AEW because um, we don't even know what their tapings, uh, is it going to be monthly pay-per-view, is it going to be TV? We don't or, even know if it's going to exist. Exactly. So maybe Kenny does a smart thing, gets a new contract for next year, which allows him to do some AEW shows, um, but still remain in New Japan. Uh, what if Kenny drops his belt? What if Abushi drops his belt and the Golden Lovers are gone? Mm. I mean, that could happen, dude. That yeah. could happen, especially since there have been reports about issues with money, issues with merch, um, issues with management, um, not being satisfied, not feeling appreciated, things like that. And then this other opportunity arises. Maybe they take the gamble because that's the kind of guy Abushi and Omega are. Mm-hmm. You know, they felt like they built. I mean, this, I think the stuff they're saying in their promos, especially Kenny, about having brought up this company when it was could have faltered you know and all mm-hmm. these other guys left and he helped save the company and he feels underappreciated and maybe underutilized undervalued even though he's got the title yeah that could all be real or maybe we're getting worked maybe he's just a master worker we're some simple marks kenny is playing the game and we are just a part of his world i don't know um there is a part of me that also feels like you put the title on Tanahashi, maybe Kenny Sting, but mm. you put the title on Tanahashi anyways, and now you've got mm. a natural future feud. You've got a, a Kenny loses, right? I'm sorry, Kenny wins, right? Mm-hmm. There's not that much money in a Tanahashi Kenny feud down the road. I mean, it's done. You have Kenny lose. You got a you got an easy to book return match maybe in at Madison Square Garden or after the New Japan Cup or what mm-hmm. have you. I mean, they, there's money there, and I mean, and then you kind of give Tanahashi his last run. People will be pissed. Yeah, that's like a Gato thing to do. You know, part of me why I'm going with Kenny and why I had 
I predicted Ibushi to drop the never open weight title is I think, you know, Ibushi, he beat Kenny in the G1 and has never gotten his title match, has not really said much about getting um, a title match. So I'm feeling like Omega gets the win here and then Ibushi, freed up from the never title, is like, all right, I want my my old title. I beat you, Kenny. Like, where's my title match? And I feel like that could be the match for MSG. It definitely could be. I've in the past shown that I'm not good at booking down the line. Every time I think that three months from now or four months from now, this is what the card lineup's going to look like for a big show, I'm gen- generally always wrong. Um, and that's the great thing about New Japan. They always keep us on our toes. I'm much better at analyzing a card on paper as we see it as opposed to projecting future uh, – I mean, I didn't even see like Okada having breaking the title record. Right. And it was right in front of our face. And I didn't right. even see that. So my whole thing is I am um, I'm scared because, you know, we always say that thing, like the ace doesn't lose in the Tokyo Dome. Right. Kenny's not the ace, man. There and and I'm inclined to want to say, well, obviously Kenny's gonna win, he's the ace. But guess what? He's not. He's not actually the ace. He's just the guy holding the title at the top right now. Okada is still the ace, not Naito, not Tanahashi, not Omega. There's value in them. I'm not discrediting them, but there's only one guy who's really, really the top dude in New Japan right now. And so that leaves the. I'm not saying Omega's going to lose. I'm saying, but it leaves that possibility. Right. Because if he loses, it's not like their top, top guy lost. In fact, it might create some interesting scenarios. For Omega because Omega has proven in the past to be pretty interesting when he's pursuing and when he's chasing and it's not all his fault but this title run has been somewhat lackluster from a creative standpoint and a storyline standpoint because what do you do with Kenny he's the best bout machine but what is driving these feuds right you know but if he has a goal and a and a and a heated rival and a guy that he genuinely dislikes, and there's there's a motive, that's a little different. And you know, another thing, too, that what was what, so... I'm going Tanahashi! <laughs> and, I, I'm going Tanahashi, bro. I, I feel like I'm wrong. I feel like I'm wrong, but I just feel like... No, no, no. But, you know, part of me, part of me that wanted to go with Tanahashi, Kenny has been so cocky. And so heelish and so dickish going into this feud. Uh, the black hair is back. Yeah. The the, the Bullet Club heel leader um, hair is back. Uh, I just feel like he's he's overconfident. And I feel or is, like, or is he overcompensating? Mm. That's the question. Yeah. You know there are a lot of allusions to the Wrestle Kingdom match between Kiji Muto, the Great Muda. And the match that he had with Tanahashi. And Tanahashi was kind of in the same role as Omega. And then you had Muto in the same place as Tanahashi. Very, very... There's a lot of parallels between these two matches. And it was the younger Lion, the guy that you build the company around, the guy that you can build with. And so I want to go Omega because from a business standpoint, he's shown to be a draw. He's shown to be a proven commodity. He is the guy that can help them expand. My only thing is, will he be here? Right. Will he, if he's here, here, that's my thing. If he's here, I think they go with him all day. Yeah. 
But if he's leaving or it's going to be a short-term contract, I don't know. And then there's that part of me that's like, well, if he does stay, you want to put Obushi over. But is Obushi even going to sign a contract? Right. Are they even going to do uh, that match? And I think something else, a small factor to think about that I haven't heard anybody else discuss oh. on any podcast. Hot, hot take. Um, I think we need to think about who's going to be seconding these guys. So if you have Ibushi, Ibushi seconding Omega, and could could that lead to Omega winning and then Ibushi challenges then? If Omega's seconded by the Young Bucks, Omega can lose and you say goodbye to all three of those guys. I you, was thinking you have Shibata, yes, um, seconding Tanahashi. What if Shibata's ready to come back and Tanahashi wins and then Shibata challenges Tanahashi? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so uh, those are small story elements that I think come into play here. Okay. I'm going to pick Omega. Okay. Because it's just, I'm going to do the, the Vegas odds. The, the the betting odds are Omega. And even if AEW happens, Omega's not even necessarily a for sure guy that might go over with Cody and the Bucks. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, it does feel like he's earned this. It feels like it's the logical choice. I am going to officially, on the record, make my official big pick be Kenny Omega. But my heart and my soul is telling me that maybe I'm wrong and maybe it's going to be Tanahashi. Because it almost feels like you could do more interesting things if you put Tanahashi in, in, in the... I want to I wanna flip. I want to flip so bad. <laughs> And, you know, in the news, you know, Tanahashi has got this, you know, new contract, his most lucrative contract to date. Um, And then, you know, there's the whole... I'm going with Tanahashi. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I I know I'm not making the boring pick. I'm going with what my gut is telling me. I'm going to make the sexy pick, the one that people are going to say you're stupid for. And if I look like a fool come next week, damn it, that's that's just what it is. I'm riding with the ace. I'm riding with the ace one more time. High five flow. One, two, three. He's going to kick out of the one-winged angel. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... And the funny thing is we're not even talking about the match quality. I think this match can be easily five stars. Oh, yeah. We don't even have to, like, guess. Stars all day. Stars all day. This will be a match of the year contender, and I feel like this is going to be one of the classics of New Japan lore. Yeah. I, I, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna. I'm gonna stick with Kenny. Okay, I'm taking. I'm taking Tanahashi. And if I just, you know, if I made the sexy pick last year and I was wrong, great. And if I make it this year and I'm, oh, I did. I wasn't wrong, but you were right last. I was year. right. And if I just happen to be that guy who just goes against the curve, just to go against the curve, and I'm wrong all the time, great. But whatever. But I just feel like there's so much uncertainty with Kenny. I'm probably getting worked, but there's. There is upside in my mind with putting Tanahashi. The other thing too is, uh, man, it's so tough. I'm going Tanahashi. Okay. Although I think you could easily run Omega and Okada right after this. Yeah. And maybe run that at at MSG. At MSG. Yeah. We'll be there either way. Whatever it's gonna be. Right. We'll be there. Yeah. Man. That's my official pick. I'm going. I'm going Tanahashi. I'm okay. sorry. I, I I'm freaking out about this. I know, dude. I'm I'm feeling stressed about this. I'm feeling stressed about it, but I'm going Tanahashi. But I I, I feel like 
if Tanahashi loses, I might cry. And if Tanahashi wins, I might cry. <laughs> I think tears are going to be shed in the in the dojo. Yeah. Man. So if that, that's our Wrestle Kingdom 13 preview and predictions. Uh, we're also planning on putting out our predictions in a column form along with some other uh, New Japan uh, pundits out there in Twitterverse. The best of the best. So be on the lookout for that. Um, <laughs> and hey, listen, if you are a, a podcaster or a columnist and you want to get in on that and, you know, we know you're listening. We know some of you guys listen. We hear you from time to time. But we love you guys. If you want to uh, shoot us a DM and we're, we're talking about New Japan like people. If you're out there and you want to get in on this. Then uh, hit us up and maybe we can uh, include you because we'd like to get a variety. I think we're going to do this all year is have like people that are that are involved in what we do, this podcasting world and columnists world. Right. And it, we'd like to kind of keep a running track and see like who who, who really has the juice when it right. comes to predicting this and stuff. And also just to open up the doors um, for working with other people, I mean – you know, yes, we're we're building social suplex, but at the same time, we don't want to stick to our own little island. I want to be able to work with you know other promotions, yeah. <laughs> other other territory, so to speak. And uh, absolutely, like you if, if you're out there and you're you're on LOP or you're on VOW or you're on Chair Shot, Chair Shot or whatever. If if you're out there and you know what you're talking about and you cover this stuff, or even if you're independent, hit us up. We'd love to get you on. We can't do everybody. I'm sure, like, I, I didn't clear this with Jeremy. It's not, you know, this is probably going to create more work for Jeremy in the long run. So we can't, ha- if, like, 20 of you guys hit us up, probably going to have to decline a few. But we'll, we'll, we'll do a rotation. If, if you Well, if you got the clout, if you got the juice, <laughs> you know. Slide in. Yeah, slide in the DMs. All right, so we're going to close up things with the news real quick. Um so like we mentioned earlier, uh, Tanahashi uh, renews his New Japan contract. He said on Twitter, he said this is uh, going to be the you know most um, you know most lucrative deal that he's signed so far. Good. So he's good. earned it. Yeah, it's good. The body's breaking down. Yeah. He needs it. <laughs> um, so the Bullet Club is going to be uh, hosting a WrestleMania uh, party. You know, when I saw that, I was like, oh, sweet. Like, Hangman and Cody and the Bucks. The Bullet Club, right? And then I found out, oh, no, 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 no. It's the Bullet Club. Right. So, uh, Jimmy Seafood is partnering with the Bullet Club um, to throw a big party at during WrestleMania 35 weekend in New York, uh, New Jersey area. Tamatanga officially announced a party at Corican Hall this week, seen in an in-ring video. Uh Tama said the block party tailgate party will be lit um, during WrestleMania weekend. Um, well, we've been to one of those those after parties after WrestleMania. That was pretty, yeah, yeah. pretty crazy. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, uh, more details will be coming out about the party. I think there's a, an official Twitter account um, for the, the party. Um, yeah, it's at Bullet Club BP. So, um, they're going to be tweeting out a lot of info about that uh, Bullet Club party. All y'all simple marks. Y'all Bullet Club wearing shirt fans. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's going to be... Um, there's a new episode of The Wire that's up right now looking at the IWGP title match. Uh, check that out. Uh, NJPW CEO Harold May, he spoke with the Public Relations Office, the Government of Japan, 
about working for New Japan, uh, international fans, impact on the company, and NJPW becoming more popular within Japanese culture. Nice. So you can go ahead and check that interview out. Um, part three of the history of chaos is up on YouTube right now, and man, I'm really loving these uh, history series and kind of getting some background knowledge on you know chaos and bull club. Ca- ca- catching you up, young boy. Yes, <laughs> you know I've always thought it was funny that you call yourself the young boy when well, you. I don't call myself the. They call me well, they, the young boy. They call you the young boy, but you know way more about New Japan and Pure Resu than I do. But you're the young boy. That's because I've gone through the ardent tasks. I've done the squats. I've cleaned the balls. I've done it all. <laughs> uh, but I've been I've been caned. Okay, I've been caned. It's been it, it was rigorous, but now I have attained the knowledge of a Shota Umino, if you would, or a Katsuya Kitamura. Okay. So when do you graduate? When Never. do you what, when do you get a gimmick? Never. <laughs> I'm here for life. I, I was a, I was a young lion who died in the dojo, and my spirit resides in there. I've, I will never graduate. I just haunt the dojo for the, for all eternity. <laughs> um, Taka Michinohu, he's going to be taking some uh, U.S. dates for 2019. I heard he kind of has to. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. not getting paid for the next year. <laughs> yeah, his uh, pockets are a little. I heard he's like afraid to fly. And, yeah, and that's why in the past he like wasn't willing to come here, but now like out of necessity, he's like, I guess I'll get on the plane and come over there. <laughs> yeah, so be on the lookout for Taka in a city near you. Yeah, he's gonna be working, you know, all 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 the big towns, you know, uh, Kemper, uh, Poughkeepsie, <laughs> Largo, Dayton, <laughs> yeah, Largo, <laughs> Dayton. <laughs> oh my gosh, um, Beer City Bruiser and uh, Shane Taylor have signed new Ring of Honor deals for 2019. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, keeping you guys updated on all the contract stuff there. Uh, they, they just, they're, they're re-signing a lot of guys over Ring of Honor. A lot of, a lot of the New Japan talent has also been, like, um, announced to be, like, more prominent within the company going forward. Zack Sabre Jr., Juice, Juice Robinson, yeah. Will Ospreay. Yep. So, I mean, um, lots of speculation about what AEW might mean, but it seems from what we're seeing... That the Ring of Honor New Japan uh, relationship is actually going to continue and be strengthened next year. So I don't know what that means. Take it for what it, what you will. But yeah, yeah. Um, Nagata and Kojima they're going to be participating in the Giant uh, Baba Memorial Show coming up. And yeah, that's in February. One thing um, I didn't mention it last week, but um, oh my god, what's wrong with me? I'm for, I'm going to for, forget uh, the All Japan Pro Wrestling Aces name. <laughs> how how could I literally why do I forget names all the time like I've got this incredible memory and then we get on the air and um, I think you, you just you get so excited and then it just like slips your tongue at the last second yeah uh, like who is who is the all Japan pro wrestling um, who's their ace right now um, I, I wish I could help you out here um, okay I'm gonna find it here in just a moment I'm going to their roster page like <laughs> As we speak, this is so, this is embarrassing, guys. And there, I know that <sighs> Kento Miyahara, my <laughs> God. So anyways, Kento Miyahara was in the, um, in the press. I think it was with Tokyo Sports. I could be wrong, but he was talking and he said that he is trying to lobby to get a one-on-one match with um, Hiroshi Tanahashi, which is like, my God. I know that that's probably not going to happen. But if it did... 
Mm. Uh, man. It, it just evokes all the big like cross promotional matches. Um, Jeremy actually just saw uh, Kensuke Sasaki versus uh, versus uh, Tenryu Dude. from the Tokyo Dome the other day. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, it kind of evokes that. But yeah, if Miyahara and um, Tanahashi ever wrestled in one one, that's Oh my god, I'd be so excited. But they're both pretty much going to be on that card. So I'm very excited about this giant Baba Memorial show. All, all, the, all the different talent from all the different companies. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. Um, got a lot of news about um, Bullet Club shirts, or more like Elite shirts, uh, from Pro Wrestling Tees. So January 7th will be the last day to get Elite Bullet Club shirts before they're discontinued forever. So, so you're talking about Bullet Club shirts that have the likenesses of the current elite stars. Right. So your Golden Young Buck shirts, your American Nightmare, your Villain Enterprises, your Villain Clubs, your Hangman Page shirt, your Super Click, Super, Super Click Club, your Kenny the Cleaner, um, Kenny with the One Wing Angel on it, um, Goodbye, Goodnight, Bang. Any Bullet Club shirt revolving around the elite guys are going to be discontinued. Um, from Pro Wrestling Tees. Um, there are also some other Bullet Club, Bullet Club merchandise that are being discounted. They have the um, the Villain Club um, hoodie is on sale right now for um, half the price, nineteen ninety nine. Um, I think there's only smalls remaining, so if you're small, go ahead and check that out. Um, Pro Wrestling Tees also released their top merch sellers of 2018. So the top three shirts, number one was the gold Villain Club shirt. Number two was the um, gen- the general Bullet Club logo t-shirt. And number three was the golden elite t-shirt. Um, other merchandise that's on discount, the uh, Bullet Club basketball jersey. Um, they are 50% off right now for $25 each. They had an awesome sale going the other day where shirts were like $7 all over... Um Pro Wrestling Tees. It was just select ones, but I, I was looking at them and I thought about getting a shirt. But I, I've got, I've gotten to a place in my life where I have so many black, like wrestling T-shirts, and I don't know how it happened because I used to never even. Right, your your like stack kind of grew out of nowhere. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you, you buy one Bullet Club shirt, and then you wake up one day and you got like ten wrestling shirts. You don't even know how you acquired them. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It just happens. Yeah, and then. Um... The uh, top te- top ten selling wrestlers of 2018, the Young Bucks were number one. Uh, number two was Marty Skrull. Number three was Kenny Omega. Number four was Cody. Five was Bruce Pritchard. Number six, Kota Ibushi. Seven was Steve Austin. Eight, CM Punk. Number nine was Tama Tonga. And number ten was Hangman Adam Page. So, uh, just seeing the impact that the Elite had this year with um, pretty much all of their, the members being on this uh, best-selling t-shirt list in uh, 2018. The, uh, the last thing here, uh, being the Elite from last week, they had their um, Christmas uh, special where um, SCU was over <laughs> at the Young Bucks house for Christmas. I was trying to remember if I even watched that. I was like, what happened on Being the Elite? And then I was like, oh, yeah, 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 the Christmas special. Yeah. It was okay. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't the funniest. It was just, it was kind of there. I mean, there was no big, like, story 
uh, developments or I anything. I saw the guys wearing their, you know, Christmas, uh, goofy Christmas sweaters. And um, they did do the funny bit where, um, who was it? Uh, from SCU, he didn't get his bonus. Oh, uh, Kazarian, yeah. yeah he, Fra- Frankie Kazarian. He didn't get a bonus from Ring of Honor. They gave him like an honor club, a free year of honor club. Yeah, they gave him a free year of honor club. And he went off on this big, long rant how he was going to tell Joe Koff off. <laughs> and uh, that was pretty funny. But, I mean, it, there was nothing really that substantial, yeah. really, I mean, yeah. being the elite. But um, um, it did actually, that being, that being the elite did make me think about something we haven't talked about in the news. Um, SCU, they've, they've been taking independent dates yeah. Calling into 2019. They're done with yeah. Ring of Honor. Yeah. They're done. Well, the whole elite is done. They're, that's so many guys. So many guys. Um, do you want to, before we go, because I feel like we're one of the only podcasts who haven't talked about it. Do you want to talk about this whole women in New Japan thing? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, we can, we can, let's talk about it. You and uh, I haven't talked about this. Right. Like You and I have not sat back and, like, since it came out, like, we haven't addressed it. And I don't think we talked about it the last two weeks because we already did address it earlier. Right. That's what we talked about it earlier in the year when because this conversation always seems to happen every three or four months, you know, every quarter. Somebody's like, New Japan really needs to have women. And then it starts a Twitter war. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> And we, I feel like, um, but our listener base has changed quite a bit since the last time it popped up. I mean, that was an earlier part of the year. Right. We've, we've grown a lot since so then. There, I feel like there probably are people wondering, like, why are you guys dressed? And, and then if you're someone who's already listened to this before and you already know our take on it, you don't care or whatever. Like, th- this is going to be the last thing we talk about on the show, so you might want to jump off. But um, if Or stick around because we love you guys. Yeah. But, um, yes, I mean, obviously this... From what I understand, and I could be wrong, I saw that Chelsea Green ha- was the person that I've heard other people say it, it, this originated from other tweets, but the one that I saw was Chelsea Green. That was the one I saw also, where it, she was like, Imagine being a promotion in 2019 that doesn't have women wrestling or something like that. Yeah, yeah. When in actuality, I, you know, we're not going to sit here. This is not the FOH drafts. So we're not going to sit here and bash WWE, but I just would imagine. I wouldn't be so cavalier making a comment like that when the company that I work for as a performer has much bigger issues, <clears throat> Saudi Arabia, uh, to kind of worry about about equality and about embarrassment and stuff like that before I would like point out this thing with New Japan and women. Um, so I mean, now that I'm starting to think about, it, I'm like, man, it's like a we got to talk about this again. <laughs> so I mean, here's the thing. New Japan, could New Japan have women? Absolutely, New Japan could have women. Do I think in the long term, should New Japan have women? I think if New Japan wants to invest in that, there's probably some upside. Look at what uh, WWE is doing. Mm -hmm. Look at the impact that they've had on business and other companies at different times. It might be a smart thing to do. However, historically, in Japan... It's never been an issue It's ne- uh, of men and women having separate promotions. Men have always had their own promotion. Women have always had their own promotion where they are given ample screen time, ample character development. Instead of being this niche, you know, uh, ostracized small division, look at, what, look at how women are treated in most 
big wrestling promotions that involve men. It's not 50-50. It's not equality. Um, even in WWE where they've got some of the women quote-unquote on top right now, it's still – look how many of the women are you know, on the sideline and who barely – get screen right. time to work. Most of the time, you're, you're getting a card of eight to nine matches that usually feature only two women's matches. If at most. If, at most, if you're lucky. Um, and, and most people say, like, you know, clap your hands. Like, yeah, you're, you're, you're featuring them. That's awesome. Whereas in Japan, you have, what, 10 Joshi promotions right now that are exclusive for women, where they are the top stars, they're the jobbers, they're the mid-card act, they're the openers, the curtain jerkers. The, From the, the card opening match to the main event, it's all, all women. All the way top to bottom. Now, Joshi is not at its apex right now. Granted, it's not. But they have been on an upswing in recent years, the same way that the UK scene has been on an upswing in recent years, the same way that up in, you know the indie scene has been on the upswing. There have been positive growth for women in Japan over the past few years. Part of that is due to the fact that New Japan as the flagship promotion has grown. They have there's this thing that's that's called when the all ships rise with the tide. Right. And as New Japan has elevated, guess what's happened to Noah's business? N- Ga- Noah's been on a, a streak this year. Guess what's happened to All Japan's business? Guess what's happened to Dragon Gate's business? DDT. All these bigger comp- all these minor smaller companies have have also elevated because wrestling in general has been made more healthy by New Japan being more healthy. Same thing with the women. This past year, um, Stardom had their best like booking year or, or drawing year for I think any woman's promotion in like a decade. Um, and they start they launched a streaming service. They launched uh, you know English content. And I mean it's not just them. You got Ice Ribbon. You got. Uh, Sendai girls, you got you know all these different women's promotions. I mean, there's a ton of them, and and it is a healthy scene where the women have tons of places to work, tons of opponents. They're making a living. They're not they're not just this second like second act or whatever. Now, could could some of them come to like New Japan and New Japan be better off if they brought in women? And would that be a progressive thing? Yeah, certainly it would mm-hmm. be. The same way that maybe breaking the barriers between juniors and heavyweights might be more progressive, but it is a culture. It is not a sexist thing. It never has been viewed that way by the wrestlers, the performers, the audience, the fan base. The type of uh, wrestling fans that are fans of Joshi over there tend to be very different from the types of wrestling fans that are fans of New Japan. The other thing too is that New Japan as a male-oriented wrestling product, draws more women than almost... Right. You look at the crowd. All the women. You mean the women that are crying. Like, Kevin Kelly was telling a story on yeah. Super J-Cast about the, the woman that was, like, crying so much after uh, Sabre beat Naito. Another thing, too, you have to imagine, the only one who's getting flack for this is New Japan, but most of the other bigger companies like Noah and all... And all well, they're not bigger, but the other Pro-Rezu companies like Noah... They all have all streaming. Japan, um, they don't have women. And no one's out here crying out about Noah not having women or All Japan um, or, you know, Dragon Gate. It's right. just it's just New Japan. Um, and nobody's talking. And I mean, I, I don't want to be like one of those guys who are like, what about men? You know, like a, a male fem or, you know, a male whatever. Right. But on the flip side, it's not like the Joshi promotions have men either. And it is just it's a non-issue over there. You know what I mean? Right. It, it, it's not like because a company decides to run men exclusively and then another company decides to run women exclusively that that 
automatically indicates that there is a sexism thing going on. It is part of their culture, and fans of Joshi don't want it. Fans of Puro don't want it. It's only people who don't like New Japan in general, and they are trying to find some sort of criticism because that product just happens to be better than the product that you follow. Right. When and, in and, fact, it's just different. And my, and my question to the people that are you know caping for this, are you currently watching any women's Japanese promotions right now? If you are you know trying to support Japanese women wrestling, are, are you watching Stardom? Are you watching you know any of these other Joshi promotions out there? Are you buying Shine? Can, can you name even one jo- current Joshi wrestler right now? <laughs> Besides Tony Storm or anybody that's been featured on Dota B. Yeah, like they don't know who Arisa Nakajima is or, you know, they didn't know who Miko Satomura was until just this past year. You know, right. like they don't know these girls um, beyond yeah. just, you know, and, and you know what? I'm not going to pretend like I do because guess what? Right. I'm not a Joshi fan. I'm not. I mean, I love like Manami type Toyota and mm-hmm. I love Aja Kong and, and, you know, the 90s when, when, when it was booming. That's another thing was like they went through a boom. In the 90s, where they were for a time bigger than the men's uh, companies, and it wasn't like, oh my, they're having all this success. You need to have men on your card. You know what I mean? Right. It, it's just it's always been a non-factor. Um, the same way that when WCW went away, and you lost a huge chunk of a fan base they, that didn't switch over to WWF, they just went away forever. The same thing would happen with Joshi fans. If, if, if women's wrestling got absorbed by New Japan and New Japan just became this monolith, goliath, giant promotion that if you're a woman, the only place you can work and make money is in New Japan, that fan base would diminish and die and go away. Right. And, that, and, and the women would be like um, diminished and be put into this role where they would never really be the stars and things like that in, in New Japan. Right. Because, you're making, yeah, you're making a point I was about to touch on. It's like, I, overall, I feel like it's just going to be bad for business. I feel like... What would happen would be what's happening now in the States with WWE is signing everybody, which is going to, you know, force independent wrestling, independent companies to quickly try and sign people and make new stars. Um, And so if New Japan was like, you know what, 2019, we're going to have a Joshi division. We're going to start signing all top Joshis from all these independent companies. Then all these companies are going to be scrambling to try and sign people they're going to be losing top draws um you're uh, that's going to affect the business of all these other joshi companies and that could potentially put them out of business with all their top draws going to new japan now here's the thing do you have a problem if 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 they brought women and put them on new japan would you care no i if they if they decide to do it hey i'm down i'm about it yeah me too like we love women's wrestling we go to freaking shine. We've gone to shimmer shows. Like, you know, we support that. So we're not against it by any means. Um, and in fact, all the people out there are like, why don't they have women's wrestling? You probably don't know this, but they tried this. They tried it years ago. It was a short-lived experiment. And guess what? The crowds didn't care. Mm-hmm. The women didn't want to be there because they were they had their own fan bases that knew them. It now could it work in 2019? Yeah, it definitely could. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's not going to, but you're acting like this company's never tried this before. And guess what, guys? They did. Right. They tried it. You can go to cage match. Look up with the women's matches that happened in New Japan. 
They tried it years and years ago. They tried to implement the Joshi element. And you know what? The Joshi fans didn't like it. The New Japan fans didn't like it. Because they were conditioned. We're talking about over the course of like 60 or 70 years that Joshi is Joshi. Puro is Puro, like men's Puro. The same way that shoot style is shoot style. The same way that deathmatch wrestling is deathmatch wrestling. The same way that MMA is MMA and kickboxing is kickboxing and sumo is sumo. These are all very distinct forms of fighting entertainment over there. And they, the same way that they didn't like the Inokiism thing, they also didn't want the, the Joshi to come and be implemented. It's just, it's you're, t- you're going against decades of of integrated mindset about how things go. This is also another company that had Joni Lar. I was just I was waiting yeah, I was gonna say China was featured. They, they featured her as a as a main event act. She was wrestling Masahiro Chono in the Tokyo Dome. So to to say that it's sexist, the truth is it's it's not a sexist thing that they have chosen for business reasons not to it's not implement like, one or the other. And, and you know, and there's a new Japan handbook that says we will never hire women, we will never have a women's division. Like it's not like some like gospel they're living by. And and you know what? This company is not they they're making money and they're they're profitable now and they could definitely possibly do this, but they're not WWE. They're not a billion dollar company that can afford to do an NXT type venture and potentially take a big loss on it. They're not in that position. This is a company that 10 years ago, we didn't know if it was still gonna exist. It was in impact territory, <laughs> you know? Right. It almost went under. Um, to bring on a women's division, to bring on those contracts. And to, to do it right. And to do it right. Uh, it costs a lot of money and they'd have to be devoted to it. They'd have to really be committed to it and they'd have to really get behind it. Now, could they? Absolutely. And maybe that decision will happen one day. But if they never do it, the same way that all the rest of the Pearl Rezu companies that are based around men don't do it, it, it literally is not a sexist thing. Um, Stardom actually was in mainstream media, or they were on Twitter talking about, like, we don't want to be part of New Japan. We'd rather grow women's wrestling and be what we are. Right, and you know they're going to be coming uh, here to USA WrestleMania weekend. They said, hey, come out and support Japanese women's wrestling WrestleMania weekend. We'll be we'll be here having a show. Hope to see you there. They're like, if you really want to support this, don't lobby for us to become a part of New Japan. Pay for a subscription to to Stardom World, right? And, and watch that, and, and and put your money into it, and right. you know, support Stardom. The bigger Stardom gets, then that's a bigger platform for those ladies. And and yeah, and I've seen like I've seen like people on Twitter try to like say like, oh, if you're gonna use one of these defenses, you know, but it's like, dude. It, that really is what it is, right? You know what I mean. That really is what it is. And, and if you're gonna, it's a, it's a non-issue. Yeah. Like people in Japan, it's a non-issue. There, if if there was a demand for it and they could make money off of it, New Japan would do it. Right. If there was, if there was literally like a demand for this, and that's really, really what people wanted, you you can believe me that they would do it because it's a money-making business. Mm-hmm. It just in, in the past has proven to be unsuccessful for them. And for other companies, they've proven to be successful doing Joshi only. Right. And, uh, you know, there are several uh, American independent companies that don't have women featured on their show. Yeah. Uh, MLW hasn't had a woman featured for a long time. Um, on Evolve, I mean, Priscilla Kelly is there. And sometimes they have shine matches. But PWG, PWG, AAW, yeah. Evolve. I mean, most of these companies, if they do have women, it's pretty... 
you know, minor. But and then there are lots of places that do feature women heavily, and you see interpromotional matches, and you see it like in the UK, you see it here in the US. So, uh, you know, this is not. Uh, it's not saying one way is right or one way is wrong. But when you say absolutely, you say, oh, you don't feature women, so that is a sexist thing you're, that your your company is screwed up. It's like that could be if you can like show a demonstrable record of of you know it being a sexist practice mm-hmm. all day. I'm I'm right there with you. But this has never proven to historically be a sexist thing. Right. It is a straw man argument that people are drumming up because this big Wrestle Kingdom show is about to drum up and it's going to blow away anything that you, the company that you like has put out ever. Right. <laughs> like, outside of NXT. And, and yeah, I think that's all it really is about. It's not about women's equality or, you know, otherwise, I mean, how many of you people out there that are doing this, like, are paying for your iPay-per-views to watch Shine and Shimmer? Right. You know? Right. It's like, if you're going to attack New Japan... You need to attack no. You need to attack every Japanese male company. Then you need to come focus stateside and look at all the promotions that are not featuring women. And you better be, you know, subscribed to WWN Club and watching Shine. You better be subscribed to Shimmer. Uh, you better be. Um, I think Rise is another promotion. Like you should be watching all these women. Subscribe to Stardom World. Like have all the women subscriptions and you know. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe watch a Joshi match because yeah. they're pretty awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I recommend Aja Kong versus uh, um, my girl. What what's wrong with me? Why did I forget? Uh, Bull Nakano yeah. from 1990, the cage match. Oh my god, I love that <laughs> match. It's it's my favorite Joshi match. Yeah. I love it. it's so violent. It's so <laughs> violent. Yeah. yeah, but at the end of the day, if New Japan. Starts woman division. I think it would be smart. I'm, I'm about it. I think. I'm, I think. I'm I think down. like it would be smart because of what WWE has proven that they can draw money doing it. Absolutely. And if if New Japan like thought that they could make money off of it and it, it'd be successful in a great platform, or if they wanted to do interpromotional stuff with a, a Stardom or an Ice Ribbon, by all means. But if they choose to never do that, it doesn't mean that they're evil. It just means that it's not in the best interest of their company. Right, and there are other viable options for girls over there that are growing. And if you want to see them grow, support them, watch them. How many of you are blogging about that? About about Joshi? How many of you are doing ring bells roundup like Sierra Reed and you know, right? And all the and these other like women's uh, wrestling news sites and and podcasts. Like most of you probably aren't, you know. But but you want to uh, you want to throw an easy straw man argument out there as opposed to I don't even know why it's just hate really is right. really it's just hate basically yeah it's stupid yeah so I'm sure we'll have this discussion again uh, maybe New Japan Cup time maybe MSG time <laughs> and the thing is is like it just is such a non-issue over there it's like the fan the 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 distinct fans of Joshi don't want it and then the fans of like New Japan and other companies also don't want it, and you have distinct fan bases that don't really intersect over there for the most part. They're aware of each other, they're aware of what the companies are, but if you're a Noah fan, you're pretty much a Noah fan, and if you're an All Japan fan, that's what you are. Yeah. These companies are working to expand wrestling and grow. There's not a lot of, it's not like people who are New Japan fans tend to be diehard, you know, stardom fans, and that's a in some ways a good thing because you have distinct fan bases that are growing simultaneously and 
gaining exposure for for pro wrestling in general. Um, I can almost guarantee you that if some of these, like if if what if one of the scenarios we talked about with New Japan swallowing up all these Joshi promotions and then minimizing the women, um, then maybe you'd never see an Asuka come to America, or maybe you would never see a Kyrie saying. They they were brought over off of the notoriety they gained in the main event. El Shirai and Io Shirai. Um, would would WWE be so apt to pick up these girls if they were just on the undercard, you know, in a in a meandering role in New Japan? Right. Probably not. Yeah. So. So that's that's our stance on the women in New Japan thing. If you. No, you want to share your opinion with us, drop it in the comments, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, let us know what your thoughts are on women in New Japan. But that's going to wrap things up for us this week. We'll be uh, back with a new episode on our normal Tuesday, January 8th. We'll be reviewing Wrestle Kingdom. We'll be reviewing New Year's Dash. And, of course, all the latest news and the fallout from yeah, those two. That's going to be a stacked show. Yeah. Oh, my God. we got to watch uh, Wrestle Kingdom and then New Year's Dash the next day. I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be great stuff. Uh, so make sure you're connecting with us on social media, on Twitter. The show is at KI Strong Style. Social Suplex at Social Suplex. I'm at Jeremy L. Donovan. On Facebook, we're Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. You can also find us in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Reddit, I'm the pro black guy, and Josh is keeping it strong style. You can email me, jeremy, at socialsuplex.com for questions or if you want to be involved with Social Suplex. And make sure you check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network, One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Lada and James Boyd. We have the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show from Scotland. The Outsider's Edge with Rance, Carl, and Kyle. Our podcast dedicated to independent wrestling. Grown Men Watch This Shit. Hosted by Jeremy Tate and Chris Bryan. We have the Wilford Watches podcast hosted by Wilford. And the Omega Luke Wrestling podcast from London. And so make sure you subscribe and leave us a rating and review. And until next time, goodbye and good night. Bang. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. See you next time. See you next time.